Welcome to Sifted's Best of E3 2017 Awards right here on Sifted.net. How are you feeling, Matt? A little worn out. Yeah, I'm a lot worn out, boy. I, uh, it, was a, it was a hard show this year. Yeah, I finally got seven hours of sleep last night. Nice. And then that's why the show ended up starting late. Hmm. <laughs> Our apologies to those of you on the live stream. It started a little bit late, but I had to get a couple extra hours. I came in for that Nintendo thing early in that morning. I was like a zombie. Literally like a zombie. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how I got through it. And then we did the master stream after that for like three hours. And then I went to the show floor. Wow. It's been a crazy week. Uh, I really hope that uh, they reconsider starting E3 the prior Saturday. Yeah, it was a little much. It's too much. Like, uh, I saw an editorial, I think it was by Eurogamer, um, where it talked about... How there was nothing left at the show. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I disagree with that because what we saw a lot in the press conferences was a trailer. And then at the show, they would go on people's stages and do live streams mm -hmm. with, like, the gameplay. Um, so I still think there's a lot of value in the show there. Definitely value in the show. But I do think, like, if you watch the press conferences and then you watch the, the individual companies' live streams... Um, and a lot of the outlets as well, but especially like the individual company, like the Treehouse and Sony's like, like, I feel like you get about as much as someone who went there yeah. and did it themselves. And you didn't have to kill yourself doing it. Like it was, the coverage has gotten so good and like the companies have gotten so comfortable with doing it that way. Yeah. That a lot of times on those streams, you see what was shown in the, in the theater people waited four hours yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. And it's one, it's a different thing to see it played in front of you, obviously. But like, uh, I feel like you know, for all the hype over the public getting into E3, I feel like the people at home get a real good E3. Oh, they certainly do. Um, the other thing I would say, too, is that I found, particularly this year, and, and it was kind of warming up to this last year, was that the best stream is Sony's stream. Sony's really good at it. Um, one, the quality is impeccable. Yeah. Two, the talent that they get on their stage is mm -hmm. amazing. Like, they talk about a game, and they'll have, like, three or four guys from the game on there. They did a really good VR panel with, yeah. like, five or six luminaries from VR. And they have everything. Yeah. Like, they put every game you can think of on. Even, like, the minor, more, yep. like... The indie stuff. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I would say, too, is years prior, maybe I would lean towards an IGN or a GameSpot stream because of the editorial aspect mm -hmm. of it. Um, but you watch, like, Sony stream, and Sid Schumann is a great. Yeah. Like, he asks really good questions. Um and I don't feel like I'm watching a stream from an official publisher. I feel like I'm watching a stream from an editorial outlet. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. I kept being reminded of uh, like watching. I was like, oh yeah, that's how G4 did. It. Like it, yeah. it, it, it felt like the way we tried to make the old live show. Well, the other thing too is because it's Sony, it gets first dibs. So yeah. like on day one, yeah. like when we were doing the uh, master stream, I kept asking people on the stream, "Do you want us to switch to another stream? Is there another stream that you guys are watching that you want us to switch to?" Never. Um, we just basically went between Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft, mm -hmm. and that was pretty much it. And they had all the best stuff yep. on day one. They got all the first party stuff. Microsoft, also solid stream, done by a lot yeah. of XG4 people. Yeah, and uh, it was only like four hours long, though. For whatever yeah. reason, it uh, it was shorter. But, I mean, Nintendo, 
if you care about Nintendo stuff, there's no reason to watch any stream but Nintendo's. Yeah. Because Nintendo didn't really take its first party stuff to the other stages until it had already done it on the Treehouse mm -hmm. Live. Um, Probably in part because the the Tuesday's Treehouse had a bunch of announcements. Yep. It. Like, yeah. the press, the, the 30 minute spotlight was not the whole story by any means. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the show proper because it underwent a big change and we're seeing it now. This is B-roll from mm -hmm. the show floor. Uh, just for context, this B-roll was shot yesterday on Thursday. So it's a lot more empty. And this is like right at the beginning when the show opened too. So this mm -hmm. is not indicative of what it was like on Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, so Tuesday was the crowded, the most crowded I have ever seen the E3 show E3 floor. period. Period. Yeah. Ever. It, well, I didn't actually. I only, I got my badge walked on the floor on Tuesday, walked to Nintendo's booth, and then basically it ended and I walked out. And then mm. Wednesday I was there for probably four hours, and then I was there all day yesterday. Um, so Matt, let's talk about it. Now that they have allowed the public into E3, what, what are your impressions of it? Do you think it worked? No. No? Uh, at least not... <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> How like, do you really feel? <laughs> uh, I mean, like go, after the show floor would close, like going to the parties or going to the you know the various hotels or stuff. Like it was just angry industry people talking about how they couldn't get their work done. Yeah. Um, and then like I you know talking to a couple of the the, the yellow badges as they were called because they had the different color badge, and watching some of like the interview segments of people like the man on the street stuff. Yeah. Like. A lot of people that went seemed like they were underwhelmed. Like that there wasn't anything. They like you know there wasn't anything to do because like there isn't anything. There to isn't. Do. Like because yeah. if you're used to like con real conventions where it's like there's panels and there's exhibit rooms and there's a dealer room and there's stuff to buy and there's stuff to see and, Place, and like, places places to, to be a part of the community. Yeah, really. and like, that just doesn't really exist. And like maybe it will going forward, but they it was it just felt like they. I mean the E3 Coliseum they tried to kind of create something like that, but a lot of people didn't seem to know that existed. Yeah, and they couldn't find and it. They couldn't find it. Like it was I, so far away from the show. Yeah, I gave when I was over at LA Live, which is where the E3 Coliseum was. A couple several times I gave people directions to where the the theater because the the signs for where it was like led you like in a circle. Yeah, like there was no real way to find it if you didn't already know where that theater was, but like. It was, um, I feel like maybe going forward, if they do continue to do this, they're going to have to make the show friendlier to non-industry people and, and basically, like, entertain them. Because, like, you hit points, like, especially on Tuesday, where it was like, I went up and, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'll bite the bullet and get in line to play this. And like, no, line's capped. Like, li they were capping lines a lot. If you went to the Sony booth... It would say, Q is temporary, temporarily, temporarily closed. closed. Yeah. yeah. And there was a there was a sign at the Sony booth that literally said, "How do I get in line?" I saw that. Like, yeah, because it, was, it, was like, <laughs> it was so chaotic that you couldn't see where any of the line. What, what was a line, and what was people just standing there moving around or doing whatever? It was. Um, I feel like they, you know, they threw the gates open, but they didn't consider what that was going to do. Not just in terms of like, oh, it's so crowded and I can't do things, right. but in terms of like, if you're gonna let fifteen thousand civilians in, for lack of a better term. You got to make it a show for them too. Yeah, and I feel like they didn't do that very well. No, I mean, it has a lot of work to do. I mm -hmm. think the first thing I would recommend is the Tokyo Game Show Gamescom model of first day, day and a half, maybe two days, press mm -hmm. and industry only, then just crack it open completely to the uh, to the fans, and make that during the weekend. Mm -hmm. So. Maybe shove it back a couple of days, and that's not happening. They've already announced the dates for E3 for next yeah. year, which is, like, I think, 12th through the 14th. But 
basically we would go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday is for fans. And that makes it so much easier for the fans, too, because they don't have to take as many days off work to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not losing money by not being at work. It makes it easier for them to go. We're not in their way, so we're not taking up like any of the demo booths. We're mm-hmm. not filling up the theater so they can't watch their favorite games. Um, it'll cut down like... the lines. Right now, this line that you're seeing, by the way, is for Super Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was every bit as bad, as, in fact, worse than Zelda was, was far last worse year. than Zelda, yeah. um, I get to the end of the line, you, you won't hear it, but I actually asked the guy at the end, I'm like, you think you're going to get in? He goes, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. Uh, but then I saw some report that said this line was only two hours long. Which I cannot even comprehend. I mean, they do have a lot of kiosks for Mario, but... Yeah, it was... It was there were more kiosks for Mario this year than there were for Zelda oh, this yeah. year, I think. And I also like that they didn't kind of have Zelda... Or have Mario cordoned away where... Like, yeah, you could walk, just walk into the You could the walk and around, around and watch people play yeah. it. Whereas with Zelda, if you didn't wait in line, you couldn't even see couldn't people playing inside. Zelda. Yeah. yeah, so I thought the design of uh, Nintendo's booth was a lot better in that regard. And I think, yeah, opening it up was, a, was smart. And I think that's because they knew the fans were coming. Mm-hmm. And maybe some didn't want to wait in this crazy freaking yeah. line that you But you, you want to see, like, you know... Like, anyone who didn't get a Nintendo's booth last year, it's a shame because you didn't get to see that amazing One of the theming. best booths like, ever. Like, really good. And Idiot they did it again yeah. here with the New Dong City Casino. And, like, I, certainly that was one of the first things I went to on Tuesday. And I didn't play, but I did go in to look around and see everything. Well, I mean, that, that was it the looked, thing it's too, amazing. Is you, if you didn't want to wait in line, you could still check out yeah. Mario. Because there's, like, 60 kiosks, and if you walk around, it's like, this guy's playing this part of the demo. This mm-hmm. girl's playing this part of the demo. And actually, that brings up a good thing that I want to mention is the number of women at E3. It was amazing. I was so heartened to see so many girls, women, adult women, young girls, whatever, at E3. Um, It truly shows how much our industry has diversified. And it... Well, also, I mean, it made me believe a little bit of the statistics I see these days. It says yeah, you know, well, X amount of women play games. I go to a lot more just general public conventions than you do because, yeah. of, because of the panels I'm on. And, uh, I mean, that's, the dem- that's what it looks like now. Like, girls, girls are geeks. And, you know, pretty easy. You know, walk around like WonderCon or something like that is pretty easy, pretty easy to think. Yeah, it's, it's almost 50-50. These yeah. Days. I was really impressed with that. Ladies, much props for coming out to E3. But I also feel like there was 15,000 people that they let in. I would guess probably 30 to 40% of those people would probably not go back next year. I do kind of, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go around interviewing people, obviously. But from like watching, reading Twitter, and like, I feel like, a, I feel bad for a lot of people that spent all the money it must have t- taken to get there and stay there and afford to be there. $250 for tickets. And yeah, even on top of that, you're talking about lodging and transport and everything. I mean... I, I, it's not like the old days because I, you know, I went as a, as a civilian basically. You know, back in the day when you could sneak in or whatever, I went like ninety nine, two thousand. I went then, and it was a different show. There was less people. Oh yeah, it was not a thing really. The public knew about, so you kind of could like get in line and see things, and you know. Well, there used to be developers on the floor. Yeah, like I remember one of the first C threes I went to. I was uh, in Nintendo's booth, and I was checking out Eternal Darkness for the N sixty four. That's what it was originally yep. developed for. And Silicon Knights just walks up and says, hey. Yep. And I start talking to them, playing a kiosk. Like, you never see that anymore. No. No like one's out there. No if, if, if that publisher has a stage show, they may have one one-hour session where they sit on that stage and talk about their game. But you never see them out milling around, like, on the floor anymore. It's just... Mm-hmm. I don't blame them. Like, oh, uh, no. yesterday I, re- I saw, like, Reggie out on the floor... 
And literally, he had like nine bodyguards around him. I believe it, yeah. And you were telling a story before we went on air about how Bill Trennan and a bunch of people couldn't even make their appointment because they got bombarded when they walked out. Yeah, of it took them forever to get, just get out of their booth. Right. Like, like People were having a lot of trouble making their appointment. Schedules were in chaos most of the time. The other thing I would say, too, is that... Even walking around with Adam, uh, Adam Sessler. Oh, like, yeah. It, it, people were, yeah, every five minutes, five steps almost, people would be like, oh my God, it's Adam Sessler. Yeah. And like, you know, we're used to that. Uh, I mean, that used to happen all the time, but it hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah. And all of a sudden his fans were there. And of course he loved it. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but it was just, it was a noticeable difference. Yeah. Um, I would say in general, the people there were amazing. Everyone I talked to, despite the fact that they were waiting in lines for hours, they were all very nice. I ran into... A handful of sifters that were great. I had great conversations with those guys. They all seem to be having a pretty good time. I think the overall mm-hmm. feedback from those those folks was that they were having fun and, and enjoying themselves yeah. overall. I, mean, certainly when I don't I, think anyone of them regretted going. No, I mean, certainly when... Uh, I mean, will they go back? That's a good... That's another question. Like, yeah. But, like, you know, certainly when I first went in on Tuesday, um, which was a little... Very shortly after noon. It was not... Um, it was maybe closer to one, but it was, like... It was, it was still early yeah. in the day because the show floor opened at noon. Um, it's just stand- I was in the Microsoft booth and the, and the Nintendo booth and Sony, and you could see all the people that had never been before, like looking around, like with that with that first yeah. E3 look <laughs> on their yeah. face, and that was really cool to see. Uh-huh. I just wonder after the thrill wore off, like. It's well, just, Thursday was a lot more empty than the first two days. Yeah. So there, you could tell that there was a lot of people who had been like, okay, I've got, seen, my, I've got yeah. my fill. I mean, yeah. you can see, if you don't want to wait in forever lines, you can see the, both show floors in a day. Easy. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you don't um, want to play a lot of games, you can see the both show floors in like 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, well, as far as like walking through every booth, it like zigzagging yeah. through each floor. Longer now. I mean, it took me 20 minutes just to get into the Microsoft booth on Tuesday. It just yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ta- I was talking like, about Thursday. If there's yeah. not a ton of people, you could easily walk through everything and get like a lay of the land and at least kind of figure out what you want to go wait in line for and see in like a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like there were less publishers there this year. I don't know if it's true. I it, no, I agree with you on the feel of it. I don't know if it's literally true. Yeah, but I like, haven't looked at the numbers. It to felt know, but. it felt smaller in terms of like what was on display. Because like I said, I, on Thursday I did a whole walk of the floor mostly to like shoot this B roll or whatever, and I did it in like a half an hour, maybe mm-hmm. forty minutes, something like that. It didn't take all that long. I was a little surprised that Activision had a booth. Yeah, they had, they had a big had, booth. Yeah, they had two games. That was yeah. the most normal E3 booth I've ever seen from Activision. Because <laughs> yeah. normally it's just this big wall. It's a monolithic wall. It's a wall with a door in it. Yeah. And you can't see what's going on inside. You can't go in unless you're press usually. Yeah. If you're lucky, there's like a poster. Yeah, yeah. Know, like yeah. yeah, and this year it was like wide open with gameplay kiosks outside for both Call of Duty World War II and Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. And I like that too, that you can see people playing these games without having to have an appointment yeah. or, or go into their monolith that they used yeah. to build. So def- I mean, there was definitely, some of these booths were definitely designed with an eye toward the public being able to see what's happening yeah but um i just feel like it's not that the, the show isn't wasn't there to give those people their money's worth in a lot of ways in terms of being an entertainment hub because that's what you that's what you become when you open your doors to the public the paying public i think yeah like i, I was thinking i was talking with some people who were thinking like do we do they reopen kensha hall and make it like <laughs> like a more of a paxi kind of place to they go? should like they that absolutely kind of thing, you should know? they should have figured that out right away yeah I mean, there's still more room in that convention that's center a, to do some stuff. That place is huge. And I don't know if you heard or not, but the ESA said that if uh, the LA Convention Center 
doesn't upgrade its facilities, 2019 will be the last E3 at the convention center. Wow. Where would they go? Maybe San Diego. San maybe San not, Francisco. San Diego, no, they're not those places. I mean, they probably go to Las Vegas, I guess. Maybe. Las Vegas is the only place with facilities more modern and, and bigger yeah. than, than L.A. on the West Coast, I think. I mean, I don't think they well, go Well, Moscone to Center in San Francisco is pretty... Moscone not has... Moscone is not big enough, though, not big enough, and Moscone doesn't have the infrastructure. Yeah. Like, that's the... Pr- you would all, think they would have bleeding-edge, like, internet and stuff up in there. Because I think that's what the, pro- the problem that they're having is they can't get a big enough pipe... Mm-hmm. In for all this. I mean, everything in this place, including our phone, there it's all connected. All connected, yeah. I mean, that is a huge. Draw. And that's a, and also that's a big change even from ten years ago. Yeah, we're having your game online. Yeah, I remember. I remember uh, like when when they were showing World of Warcraft, like in like two thousand two or two thousand three. They're like, yeah, it was a real big problem to have like a constant internet connection to show the game. Yeah. And now it's like everything has to have. Everything it. has to have it. Yeah. So. We'll see. It would suck if they moved from here, away from our home turf, but yeah. maybe the conventions... I mean, look, this is the biggest convention in Los Angeles every year. Mm-hmm. It brings more revenue into Los Angeles than anything that happens all year long in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think L.A. will do whatever it takes to keep I it. I mean, I think the mayor may get involved and mm-hmm. be like, look, we can't afford to lose all the money that we're making off of this show. I mean, it is just like hundreds of millions of dollars that it generates for the city. So, um, did you have a good time overall? Um, I mean, I always have a good time because it's, it's kind of a reunion of all the people I know. You yeah. know so I'm there to see my friends on top of seeing the games, and like, so I, I had a good time doing that. I did not generally have a good time on the floor. It was yeah. very hard to see anything and play anything. Um, like, normally I kind of wander around, find stuff I want to see, and like, that was just not possible this year. Like, yeah. my, norm, my normal tactics failed miserably in the new, the new overcrowded E3, so I'm going to have to like re, rethink my strategy next year, I think. Yeah. Um, but I more or less saw like with my own eyes the stuff I wanted to see, which is really the most important thing for me this year, because you know, especially with all the 4K talk and all, yeah, the, all yeah. the graphical stuff, I feel like you don't get... You, if you don't see that with your own eyes, you don't quite know what's up, because you never know what the stream or the compression or whatever. So we'd be, like, being able to see Forza 7 running in front of yeah. me was like a bit, was more important to me than touching it. Sure. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I know, you know how, how Forza plays. plays. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the big... So I, and I did get to that, again, like we said, because they did have the foresight to set... Most most of the booths had the foresight to set it up so you could see what people were doing. Like, And that happened with um, uh, like, like Microsoft and uh, Sony as well. Like normally, you have the kiosks kind of like back to back with each, you know, facing yeah. you know, back to back, and then there's like little aisles for people to play. And like, if you have to walk between there, you can. Yeah. <laughs> but now this year, like they had where people were playing, they had like them roped off, and then there was an aisle between them, so because they knew people would filter between. The you can stations. see it in some of this. Yeah, and here, you, actually, you can yeah. see that it's designed for people to filter between the the rows of the stations and watch people play because that was going to be. Uh, the, basically, the main way people, you know, every time I try to get in a line to play something, they're like, oh, the line is, is capped, the line yeah. is unavailable. So, like, that was your way to watch stuff. And, um, and so, there was, you know, it's not like there wasn't any foresight to it, but I feel like uh, they would be, a, this, the show would become a better value for a public attendee's money if there was a, more of an eye towards entertaining them. And, and acknowledging that if you're not there to see industry stuff, you're kind of walking by a bunch of dioramas and then going out. You know, yeah. like, like it, there needs to be more to do. And it needs to be clear, more clear what more there is to do. Yeah. Because you mentioned that the directions to get to uh, Coliseum were not mm-hmm. good. Um, 
I talked to someone who was pretty much at all the Coliseum panels, and they said that there was only like two of them that were that had more than half of the audience full. Yeah, there was no one there. I heard. Um, I never got over. And to the one Coliseum, was Kojima, but... and the other one I can't remember what the other one was. But uh, yeah, they said in general, there was a fire. There was a fire on stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they said in general that those panels were not full, and so mm-hmm. to me, it's like you can't have something like that a block and a half or two city blocks away from the main event. You just yeah. can't do it. It needs to be on location somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it needs to be more clearly explained how it works. Like when I walked in, first of all, what really disturbed me was that there was no security walking in there. They checked your badge, but they didn't check what was in your bags or anything. That's true. I was par- I mean, I'm paranoid now about being at places like this where there's you know tens of thousands of people. And, I mean, these people were walking around with bags. Who knows what those people had in their bags? Oh, yeah. The, the, the convention backpacks were out in force. Yeah. Uh, I got hit in the face with many of them. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's in those frickin'... It's like, it's like you're, in, you're in downtown Los Angeles. They sell food and water here. You're not crossing the fucking Mojave Desert. Like, I don't know yeah. what you need a, a hiking pack for. Uh, but it's very inconvenient when you're standing in large crowds of people and then you turn. And then that... And then you just... Like... But you can see what I did in this footage. Just like you walk around the edge. It's the only way yeah. you can make it around. And again, this is Thursday. It's not the day it was crazy busy. Um, but I would say Yeah, overall, you gotta like triple this if you want to yeah, see yeah. it like t- Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday. And uh, that's why I didn't shoot it. Because I couldn't on right. Tuesday and Wednesday. It was just impossible. I was getting beat up and like knocked around. Yeah. And it's funny because like you know, we've said before, like I think like the emptiness of Thursday is sort of what they were trying to combat with this, and it right. didn't really work. It didn't. Well, that's because all the industry people are hungover and they don't go. Right. Um, but I would say overall, I did have a really good time, and, and I, it's kind of the same reason that you mentioned, which is the people. Um, I met a lot of great people in the three days, people that I didn't know before, uh, you know, walking by with the camera, just people who would just smile at me. Or give me like a peace sign or a thumbs up or whatever. The vibe there was really good. Um, like you, I got to reunite with tons of people yesterday um, in one circle. It was myself, Brandon Jones, Daniel Kaiser, Jeremy Hoffman, Megan Rue. Uh, a couple of the other Easy Ally guy, Allies guys mm-hmm. showed up. And we literally just stood there for 45 minutes and just reminisced and had a little mini reunion. And, you know, that stuff just doesn't happen since oh, yeah. GT was dissolved. Like, I don't think we've ever been in a, all of us in a room like that. So E3 is good for that. Pactor's party was amazing, as always. There were just so many people there that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, for that stuff alone, I had a blast at E3. Then you toss in all the great games that I got to play that we're going to get to in a minute. Um, and all the people I met on the show floor, getting to meet some of the sifters face-to-face for the first time. Um, and kind of connect their uh, avatars with the real face was great. Hmm. Um, and again, despite a lot of people saying there was nothing to do and blah, 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 everybody there was in a great mood and it seemed like they were all having a good time. So, uh, I had a blast yeah. still. Also, it, it helps is that, E3. Like, like, it helps that downtown LA in that area has built up a lot to be an entertaining place. Yeah. Thank God there's a Hooters so, right across the street. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Fittingly, right where Devolver goes. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah Devolver's press conference. Boy. I'm just sorry y'all didn't a get work to, of art. I'm sorry you didn't get to be there when that place, that company was called God Games. Yeah. And they had their ridiculous parties across the street in yep. the parking lot. And everyone was just like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> They're the rebels. Everyone, everyone like shook their heads and, went, mm, 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 and then they went. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and they went to the party. You know? like, yeah, it's great. So uh, I had a blast at E3. And um, would you recommend people go next year? I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, you got to be ready for it to be. I mean, this was like 
crowding wise, this was as bad as Comic Con. Take your Comic-Con. 3DS or your Switch. Yeah, be ready to sit. Be ass. ready to wait. Be ready for things tonight. And you know, don't forget about the E3 Coliseum if they do yeah. it again, because it feels it, you know it feels like if you wanted to see any of that, you could have. Like it wasn't yeah. like. You know, it wasn't like the Nintendo booth where it's like... No, you know, and it wasn't like Comic-Con where you had to wait in line right. like a day to get into a panel. So like, I, I, I kind of, if you really have always wanted to go to E3, then yeah, like, you, know, you, you could do where... And who knows how long they're going to do this, so you might as well get in while you can. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, you know, in terms of like coming to the, you know, the, the video game mecca, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, an, it's a pilgrimage to make. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's just not set, you know, in the way that, like, Comic-Con and a lot of those conventions are set up where it's, like, the one part of the appeal is being near your, seeing your idols and seeing, you know, being in the, the supernatural panel in Hall H and, oh, my God, I'm this far away from Jared Padalecki right. and all this stuff. Um, that might just be me. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it's, that's not really that what it is. It's like, not, you're, you're, pr- yeah. you're not, probably not going to run into Miyamoto, you yeah. know, on the floor. Unless it's, you catch him in that one trip that he makes every year. Yeah, and that's if you can kind of weasel your way past the 14 large men. <laughs> that are that are guarding him. him. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's a thing everyone should see, but I just like, like I do, I I always want to not be like too over the top about oh my god you have to see E three because I feel like if you're especially if you've gone to a lot of other conventions there's not as much to do at this one. Yeah. But maybe that'll change next year. Maybe they'll make it a more you know public friendly. I will thing say this though: year. there were more playable kiosks on the floor in general yeah and i i like sega I, that's what prompted me to, to think sega that. really did well i thought they it, did it they, did do well and what it did you could tell in this, in this that it made some decisions on the fly because for both sonic games it had like the elaborate part of the booth where there's all the signage mm-hmm. and really nice tv screens where people could play but then if you kind of rounded the corner it had basically just tucked a bunch of playable demos with like PC monitors, yeah, it was, and like, it was like no frills. Yeah, over by the wall is no yeah. signage. It was just it pretty just, much just tables yeah. and playable stations, and that's totally yeah. fine. It was oh, yeah. like, look, we just want the fans to be able to play these games, and and I agree with you. You could definitely see the shift in focus, not from all the publishers, but from a lot of them, mm-hmm. to say, okay, we need more opportunities for people to play our games yeah. here. So maybe you also, next like, year it, it they inch even farther that way, and it caters a little bit more to the fans. Yeah. And uh, it there's be ways to do it. Yeah, and uh, and hopefully they're thinking about it. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, obviously people are gonna have to figure. I mean, part of the thing with the scheduling and how everybody was missing appointments and stuff, like part of that I think is we've done this for so many years that everybody kind of has it in their head. It takes this long to get from here to here and right. here to there and that right. there to that. And it's, and it's like, like that that's not anymore. true anymore. Yeah. Like we get, you got to readjust how long it takes to do things at yeah. E3 now, and you know that's an adjustment. The industry has to make, yeah. Uh, especially if the ESA is not receptive to, you know, if, if the publishers, because uh, I'm interested to see what the publishers think about that, because there was a lot of complaining about it after hours. Yeah. And uh, since this move to let the public in was in part e- ESA trying to convince publishers to not pull an EA and leave, like I wonder what what that political argument will no, become right. over the next year. And I wonder too, like um, this is kind of the first year that. Pretty much all the influencers, the YouTubers, were allowed in. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, some of them were allowed in. That was kind of like them just kind of easing into it. This year, obviously, anybody could just pay to get in there. And so there's a lot more people with tripods and sticks and cameras. Oh, it was the year of the GoPro. It was, yeah. Everyone, it was... I've always wondered... Like, selfie sticks. Is, was this year's E3 one of the most, like, documented events ever? ever? 
Right. Like in like, terms of in terms of how many video like how many videos of the Xbox One X sitting in that case are there? Right. Thousands, tens of thousands, yeah. hundreds of thousands. You know, like not hundreds of thousands because only sixty-seven thousand people went. But like, I mean, imagine if like you know when a crime happens and right. the police are trying to find like surveillance footage or closed circuit TV footage for clues. If something ever happened at E3, oh, oh my yeah. god, there'd be like eight hundred <laughs> angles of it happening. You like, could re reconstruct it in VR. You could. Like, you yeah. totally could, and you could like relive it or whatever. Yeah, it'd be like a like a Batman yeah. Arkham Asylum thing. But it's like. Um, you know, if you if you know if you want to know what the back of the Xbox One X looks like, you're covered. Yeah, <laughs> you're, <laughs> For you're sure. good. For Trust sure. me. Um, but anyway, going back to what I was talking about with like the YouTubers and the influencers, I think we saw a little bit of what can happen when you give them responsibility. Because at EA, their press conference and their post show was driven by influencers, and there were several just terrible moments where. They froze up on camera, couldn't remember their lines, just started ad-libbing and just totally screwed up. And then, I guess it was Wednesday night, one of them went to the Twitch party and just disappeared. Did you hear oh, about I heard this? heard about that, yeah. So this girl goes to the Twitch party and no one sees her again. She doesn't show up for her appointments the next day with publishers. She doesn't show up for like her live streams that she's supposed to be there for. So people are like, oh my god, she's like dead. And... Her friends are on Twitter saying, oh my god, we can't get a hold of her. Her family hasn't heard from her. She didn't show up today for work. She didn't make any of her appointments with publishers today. And it, the internet just went crazy, like, trying to help find her and whatnot. Well, then, like, late last night, she pops up on her Twitter feed, and she's like, hey, oh, I, I went to a casino and played poker all night. Didn't tell anyone where she was. Didn't call her family or her friends. Blew off the whole next Is day it, of work. Was that true? I heard. I heard that that maybe turned out to be like a hacked. No, that was true. Thing. That was true. It, it was really true. Happened. Yes, she just disappeared and didn't tell any of her yes. friends or anyone. Yep. And wow. even and then even and then was angry at people. She's like, "This is the worst day of my life." Like, thanks to you guys. <laughs> she disappears and people are concerned about her welfare. Like, I posted it on my Facebook and shared and shared it. I'm like, "Yo." If anyone in the industry has seen this girl, like, mm -hmm. you know, her family's looking for her. Yeah, everybody was talking about that last night. Yeah, and then finally when she reemerges, she's like, oh, I was just playing poker. It's like, you, you can't do that. This is a family. Yeah. Like, And you missed your stream appointment? Yeah, she missed her appointments with publishers and everything. The whole next day blew it all off. And, uh, I, you know, it, they don't get it. Like, the gaming industry, believe it or not, no matter how big it is, it is like a family. So when we all found out that she was missing... It was like red alert. Like everybody jumped on and like banded together. It was just like when Marcus had his heart attack and like we did the crowdfunding and boom, just like that, they had the money for their medical bills. Like that's what the industry does. And when everyone found out that something may, bad may have happened at E3, they're like, no, 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 let's try to make this right. Let's try to fix this. So I think you're seeing kind of uh, the so there's still some people swimming against the grain, I guess, of, of the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and just some people that were just flat out not qualified to do what they were hired to do, which isn't their fault. Um, but it was interesting to kind of see the first E3 where they were fully incorporated into it. A couple things like that go on. So overall, I think it was a great show. I mean, as far as like the games and the quality of the games and the ability to play mm -hmm. the games. And if you couldn't play them, you could at least watch somebody else play almost all of them live. There wasn't a whole lot of subterfuge mm -hmm. going on. Because there have been years where like, game, like stuff just wasn't out there. Yeah. Like if you didn't get it into one of the theaters, you didn't see a particular yeah. game. Yep. So I had a good time. All right, let's move on with the show proper. Uh, which, what is quickly becoming a tradition on Sifted for our Best of E3 awards. We're going to kick them all off with a segment we call Two Up, 
two down. So both Matt and I are going to pick two games that we are more excited for after E3 and two games that we're less excited for after mm -hmm. experiencing them at E3. So Matt, what is your first up? My first up is uh, Marvel's Spider-Man. Yep. They finally gave it a name. Um, it's now called Marvel's Spider-Man. Shocking. Yeah. Everything's Marvel's something. <laughs> I mean, technically, the movie's called Marvel's The Avengers. Right, yeah. Um, just in case you forgot yeah. who owns <laughs> Spider-Man. But, um, I mean, I was... I'm surprised was... your hype could go any higher for this, Matt. No, well, I'm, I, well this, here, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a secret. Not a giant Spider-Man fan. Oh, Really? I like Spider-Man, okay. but like Spider-Man wouldn't like make like my top five really of, of super okay. comic book superheroes. Um, and also, I'm skeptical. I'm always skeptical about comic uh, Spider-Man video games because some of them have been good, some of them have not. Some been of them have been bad. Now look, I trust. We have a friend who worked on some of them that were bad. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I trust um, Insomniac. Obviously, yeah. I, I was pretty sure about Insomniac, but like. You know, I still needed to have it proven to me. Yeah. And the, the 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 demo they showed at the press conference and on the on, at the show, I think, uh, convinced me that that they know what they're doing. It felt like Spider Man. It is a pretty much an evolution of uh, Spider Man: Shattered Dimensions, because um, Spider Man: Shattered Dimensions back in the day uh, did kind of take an Arkham Asylum approach to yeah. how it worked, and you can see that happening here and kind of. It evolving. looks a lot like Batman at yeah. times. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, Insomniac talked I mean, more totally about fine, it. By the oh way. yeah, but Insomniac talked more about it, and like how you know that most of it is going to be open world. Like tra you know, the traversal, like they, you can catch up to the helicopter a lot faster if yeah. you're, if you're. But they wanted to show the traversal. Um, there's stuff with Peter Parker, like playing as Peter Parker on the ground and stuff, which I like because the the dual identity thing is key to the character, and I think that's interesting. I also trust Insomniac to be able to pull that off. Yes, exactly. Like. I'd be more. I'd be worried if it was like you know Activision cranking out another yearly game or whatever. But like I yep. feel like if, if they Insomniac wouldn't do this if they didn't have a way to make it work. Yep. Um, so I'm real excited about this game now. Uh, I was already like interested, but now I'm excited. Let's yep. put it that way. Um, so that's uh, so that when I I would not have expected it to be at one up. I, I for the, well, you know at the beginning of the show I would have been like yeah sure Spider Man I'm get what I cool. expect yeah. Spider Man game cool <laughs> but like no this one really made me and I know like you know some people are not into it because of the you know the the QTEs and kind of all that but I just feel it's really capturing the character which is what I really ask from a superhero game the web action is yeah. what sells me mm -hmm. I mean it's like every Spider Man game even the good ones the a lot of the web slinging just felt canned and kind of preordained. Mm -hmm. uh, not with this game at all. Like, you can actually get creative using the web. It's not like kind of this predetermined thing that... And, and, and Somniac went on record this week saying that uh, the web actually has to attach to stuff. Yep. It's not attaching to this magical cloud in the sky that follows you around like in the prior games. Uh, so there's going to be an added layer of realism there. Uh, I'm also really excited for this game. It, it showed great. Um, it was worth the wait, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, my first up is Assassin's Creed Origins. Hmm. Um, you, you did not get to play that at, played it at the show, right? No, I watched a fair amount of it. I mean, yeah, you didn't have to play it because literally Ubisoft just let everyone and their brother play this game. And so there was just streams and YouTubers putting up like 40-minute chunks at a time. Mm. Ubisoft was on every stage playing it live. Um, so one, I appreciate that you know Ubisoft is confident in this game and was willing mm. to share it with everybody. And they also know that they got to prove themselves with it, right? And I feel like it totally did. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I uh, I was pretty much over Assassin's Creed. We talked about it on the pre three episode that mm. we did that I had just kind of fallen off with it. I never finished Syndicate. Um, you know, 
The game before that was a broken mess. It's pretty good now that they've patched it up. Uh, I mean, for most people... There's not a lot of incentive to go back and finish it. Yeah, exactly. And I think for a lot of people, the last game that they really enjoyed was Black Flag. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with that. That was the last time where I had that true Assassin's Creed joy. Um, I've seen so much about this game that kind of reignites that fire that I had. I remember the first time I saw the first trailer for the first Assassin's Creed. And that kind of like sense of wonder that I had, I feel like it's kind of recaptured that. Um, I love all the interaction with the wildlife. That has a whole other element to it. The combat is vastly improved. I love that it's been transformed into more of an action RPG uh, with a lot of the trappings of, of that sort of sub- subgenre. Um, playing it, it played great. Uh, the changes they've made to the control scheme uh, have all been for the better. Um, it, a lot of the automatic nature of the game has been removed. You feel like you're in control pretty much at all times. Uh, really impressed with it. And here's the crazy thing, too, is I ran into Megan Rue yesterday, and I mentioned her also on a prior episode, how she was the world's biggest Assassin's Creed fan at game trailers. And she would come into my office, and she'd talk to me about stuff I didn't even know what the hell she was talking about half the time. And I ran into her, and she hate, she doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. She's like, I just gave up. She's like, I once... She went on some crazy tirade, again, about stuff I didn't even know, about how Rogue had a scene in it that that should have been in an earlier game and it's if you play that first it's spoiled i was just like okay <laughs> i played rogue and i have no idea what I'm like, exactly i was like from your perspective okay maybe you don't like it i'm like from mine just someone who plays assassin's creed isn't a total lore hound but just has enjoyed the games and fell off with them over the last couple i'm it's reinvigorated for me i'm really yeah. excited for I this i mean look all you had to do was put it in egypt yeah and i mean i, mean, <laughs> I don't like so. you, i don't even I'm a kid, but I am a big fan of Assassin's Creed, and I'm I'm excited for it. But like, I feel like I need to get my hands on it in a in a in a play the whole game sense before I know. I'm I'm still in a wait and see holding pattern a little bit in the sense of how does the, is the loot gonna work and be cool, or is it gonna annoy me like Dark Siders too? Did right. is it gonna be too much like yeah. management or whatever? Is the is the fighting system taking the correct lessons from Dark Souls, or is it just gonna feel weird and awkward? Like, it you know what it is challenging the combat mm. like it, you get hit a couple times you die uh and you know the one thing i hated about assassin's creed combat from the past is that you could just counter kill your way through the whole game yeah you can't do that now you can't not at all like no. it, that is completely changed and it's like you said it's not quite dark souls level no um it's not like you get hacked twice and you die mm. but there's real consequence and real tension during the combat yeah. which is something i haven't had in one of those games yeah in a they've long been time. missing that for a long time and I'm encouraged by that. That and uh, Shadow of War, um, which I still don't like the title. Yeah. I still like Mordor was the key word in that yeah, first yeah. game. Like removing it. it's like Mordor, War oh. for Mordor. You should call yeah, it War for that's Mordor. That's probably a better title. You're yeah. Welcome, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Um, that game also is hard. Yeah. Like there's pe- there were people like reporting back that like I died more times in the 10 minute demo than I did all through the first game. Yeah. You know. And I'm like, hard is the new black. <laughs> Not touching that one. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, but I'm really glad to see that kind of like, you know, maybe it's a result of Dark Souls in some way. Like the popular, but it's like the, they're, the challenge is coming back a little bit. Like they're yeah. not making them just a grand tour of whatever uh, open world. It's like ancient civilization. Yeah, I, I like that trend this year. It feels like they're putting some challenge. In. At the very least, you can choose your difficulty level in Shadow of War. And having just played through Shadow of Mordor again this year, I thought it was way too easy. Yeah. So, like, that was nice. And Assassin's Creed being like that is nice to see as well. There's a lot of good reasons to be excited about this Assassin's Creed game. For sure. Um, 
I'm just I'm just glad I was I was just I'm just glad I wasn't disappointed. Yeah, in what it showed. I was more than not disappointed. I was impressed. All right, here we go for the first down. What's your first down after E3? Uh, my first down is is not going to be a popular one, <laughs> uh, but it's Super Mario Odyssey. Ooh, let's look at the chat. Um, <laughs> look at the chat. This should be fun. No, I'm not saying I don't want to play it, and yeah. I'm not going to not going to buy it or or play the game when it comes out or anything. I'm just saying, I kind of wanted something equivalent to Super Mario Galaxy two, and we're getting like reverse Kirby. Yeah. And, like, be- Mario becoming other things holds literally zero interest for me. I'm- yeah, I mean, for those of you who don't know, the entire crux of Super Mario Odyssey is this mechanic called capturing. Yeah. And basically the hat that he wears, it has a name. It's called Cappy. Of course it is. <laughs> I wonder how Capybara Games feels about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, you can throw the hat on just about anything. Tons of things. And then take control of whatever you throw Mm -hmm. the cap on. And it's a pretty clever... Actually, I I did like the the, the pretty clever way of differentiating what you can throw the cap on. They're a little bigger than the other stuff. Yeah. And, like, you'd think that wouldn't be enough, but it is. Like, you can tell. You know when you see something, yeah. Um... And it's cool, but I just... I... Watching the, 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 the demos of this, like... It felt like people were playing a lot of nonsense to get to the Mario. Yeah. And that was disappointing to me. I'm not saying it's not going to be fun. I'm not saying, like, it's going to be bad. But it's just not what I was hoping for. And that kind of took me down, took me down a level. And I was very unhappy about that because I really wanted this to be kind of the equivalent, the Mario equivalent of Zelda, the Breath of the Wild. And I feel like Breath of the Wild went back to, like, the core of Zelda. Took a bunch of lessons from the last ten years of game design and reincorporated it into a form that like made it feel very distinctly Nintendo and distinctly Zelda. And this feels a little more like back in the Wii days when they'd come up with some weird gimmick for every sequel to make it different. Yeah. And, and we were all just saying, can't you just give us what we liked but prettier and better? And well, I think what this game does though is it uh, gives you a lot more variety than most Mario 3D platforms. Yeah, I mean, because everything you take over has. A different type of control scheme, a different set of abilities, mm-hmm. and I think Nintendo is just looking for a way to provide some more diversity to a Mario game without having to like turn Mario into something he's not. I guess is the mm-hmm. best way to put it. And maybe it's like a lesson that it learned with Sunshine, where it's like uh, maybe in hindsight, him having something strapped to him the whole game wasn't a good idea. Yeah, I do think the hat thing is a better idea than Flood yeah. was. But, it's a more uh, organic way to do it. It's I just guess. like I felt ga- like the galaxy but some of them games. Are stupid. It's like you throw the hat on a T Rex, and like now you're controlling a T. Like, it's a, I mean, it is Mario. Yeah, I it mean, does play in the world of absurd. At, but and at the same time, I will always support putting dinosaurs into something for no good reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't have a problem with Mario controlling a giant T Rex, but like, it's just you, between that and kind of the, the the demos where you see people just sort of wandering around a pretty barren town. Yeah. That like giving me uncomfortable. You know, reminders of Sonic Adventure. Um, like, it, it's it's not quite what I was hoping it would turn out to be. It still looks pretty cool in places. The 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 um, like the desert town thing looks pretty cool. I'm a little. I'm also a little like. It feels weird that he buys things. Yeah. That there's a store in a Mario game. For clothing and all that. Yeah, that he's not just picking up power. I mean, you're seeing a lot of elements from Breath of the Wild come into Mario. I mean, that's really what you're seeing there. Um, I'm surprised the one thing that you did mention that I was actually disappointed in is the game's graphics. Oh, I I was waiting for you to bring that up pretty much. It's not a pretty game in a lot of ways. (laughs) 
There are parts of it that look pretty. There are lots of parts of it that look really bad. Yeah. Like, just garishly plain and just ugly, blurry textures. Well, this thing, this game has some of the worst ground textures yeah. uh, on display. At the, it looks at the like show. it was made as, like, I don't know, maybe a Wii U game? I'm pretty sure it started life as a Wii U I mean, I've seen Wii U games that look better than this, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. It may have started as, like, a Wii I think Breath of the Wild game. looks better than this. Yeah, in some ways. Breath of the Wild, like, is pulling some weird tricks here and there. Yeah. But Breath of the Wild has that kind of gauzy... Uh, sort of almost hazy in places, sort of like yeah. distant scale thing it does, and it kind of like, you know, makes it all kind of work. Whereas this... You know, These trailers are a little deceptive because yeah. they show the very best-looking parts of yeah. the game that I saw at E3. But to be fair, like, you know, Mario is a much... Like, they're going for a much clearer, sharper, defined visual look than Zelda did. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a natural uh, outgrowth of that. It's just what you're going to have to put up with. Uh, the characters, I think, look really good. Yeah. Um, I thought the boss battles were really cool. Like, yeah. The boss battle they showed, uh, like, those are going to be fun. Um, and I already pre-ordered uh, Pimp Bowser, uh, the Pimp Bowser amiibo, because <laughs> uh, that is the coolest that character has ever looked. Um, has Bowser ever really looked cool? I like Bowser. Yeah. yeah I, I, and, I mean, you, I like him usually when he's in kind of, like, a humorously ironic location. Like, you know, I like it when he's, like, playing tennis. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> like, I always, you know, I love the fan theories about how, like, inviting Bowser to the, the Mushroom Kingdom Castle sports days works out. Like, yeah, yeah. how do you keep inviting the guy that, like, keeps kidnapping your girlfriend? Kind of right, thing? right. I'm like, it's, I guess it's, it's, like, it's like the Back to the Future thing where it's like, how do you let the guy, like, assaulted your wife in high school, like, wash your car? Right, you know? yeah. It's like, well, we, I guess we just figure these things out <laughs> off camera somewhere, you know. All right, so my first down for E3 2017 is Crackdown 3. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I did not pick this for one of my downs because I knew you had it covered. <laughs> well, here's the thing: like my expectations, we're right there with you. My expectations for this game were pretty darn low. Yeah, that's that. What makes it even worse? That right? Exactly. Like <laughs> I have been on record for the last two years saying that I'm not impressed with Crackdown. I didn't like the prior Crackdowns all that much. This was one of the worst games I saw at E3, bar none. I have to agree. As a Crackdown fan. I have to agree. It it looks so bad. And I mean, I don't even mean like, oh, it looks like bad or not fun to play. I mean, every time I looked at it in the booth, I was like, this doesn't look good. No. Like, visually, or this fun, does not look or good. Or fun, or interesting. It, it came out yesterday. It's only, you can finish it in three hours. Yeah, they said three hours if you hurry, 12 hours max? If you 100% it. What? How do you how how do you get all the orbs in twelve hours? I don't know. How's that even possible? There must be an easier way to find them now. I uh wow, this game has been in development for a really long freaking time, man. Mm. I you think about that? Maybe a they year? lost. Maybe they lost the other half of the game in the cloud. Maybe <laughs> it, that might have happened. <laughs> you think about it though, a year per hour of gameplay pretty much is how this <laughs> this game's worked out. Uh. I don't know how many developers would keep their jobs after that. I also wonder, too, if, you know, all that cloud computing tech that was supposed to be built into it didn't ultimately end up being this game's undoing. Mm -hmm. But it is... Wow. Clearly some things went awry. Somewhere along the way. I don't know if this just ended up being what they could salvage from the game, and that's why they have... It's so short. I don't know. But it was... Hands down. I, I mean, I don't want to compare things that we don't have the correct inside information on too right. much, but like, 
I looked at this and I was like, and Scalebound got canceled? Right. I like, said the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, really? And then they announced, like, and Phil Spencer said this week that Scalebound was basically canceled because there was too much hype around it. What does that even mean? He was like, people were so excited for it. We knew the expectations were that it was supposed to be, like, one of the best games ever. And it wasn't shaping up to be that way, so we canned it. I'm like... But we kept Crackdown because no one expects this to be good. Track. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hell. Oh, man. I, and, there, and a lot of gameplay did not come out for Crackdown. No, I noticed that. And, gee, I wonder why. And, like, even at the booth, like, what people were playing at the booth was mostly climbing buildings. Yep. Like, there wasn't much happening. Yeah. Um, at one point, the crowd kind of stopped, and I was stuck by Crackdown for, like, 15 minutes. And, like, I was looking for, like, screen to screen to screen. Nothing different. Across yeah, any of it, always the same. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't want to just continually beat this dead, cell shaded horse, but yeah. like, <laughs> it was. I mean, as someone who liked, loved Crackdown One and liked Crackdown <laughs> Two, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a bad time at the movies, as we say. Um, I, I, I am, I'm heartbroken over this game. Basically. I don't get it at all. All right, what, uh, what is your next up? My next up is Wolfenstein the New Colossus, um, which I like the first one. I mean, we talked about that on the press conference stream. Like, you know, I like New Order very yeah. much. Um, and I was interested in this one, obviously, because, uh, yeah, I want more of that. Uh, and boy, are we getting more. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. The presentation was incredible. Like, the, the you know, at the, at the press conference, um, I was told, I didn't get to see the theater presentation but I was told that the stuff in there, and I think you did see it. I played it. You played it. Yeah. So the stuff in there apparently was even crazier. Yeah. Um, see, Wolfenstein 2 is awesome. It is freaking awesome. It is one of the games walking out of there that I was like, that's one of my hot lists for like Game of the Show. Mm -hmm. So I was not, uh, I mean, I, again, I like Spider-Man. I was looking forward to it, but I did not expect it to jump to the top of my list the way it has. Yeah. So, and I mean, look at it. Yeah, like it's it's gone. They've got, taken it so over the top and so crazy. Well, and you think this, so violent. this debut trailer is batshit insane? Where do you play the game? Mm -hmm. I mean, it really that trailer is one hundred percent indicative of the game that you're going to be playing. Um, I played like the first thirty five minutes, forty minutes of it, or whatever, and didn't want to stop. And uh, that doesn't happen very often at E three. And a lot no. of times, it's not because of the game itself. It's because you know you need to go somewhere else to play something else. And uh, none of that mattered when I was playing this. I did not want it to end. Uh, I'll be interested to see if other people liked it as much as I did and you did um, as the awards start to roll out. But I, it's one of the most memorable things I experienced at E3 2017. Mm -hmm. Faux show. Um, my next up, <laughs> in counterpoint to Matt's down, is, we go. is Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey, I loved it. Um, and this was a game where my expectations were pretty low because I, you know, I'd been talking trash about New Donk City and how yeah, it, you, I was like, oh, the booth is New Donk City. Yeah, the game's never <laughs> you wouldn't even want to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and look, that part of the game I still feel like is probably its weakest element and it is weird, but the rest of the game, uh, to me, just makes up for it in spades. Um, I like the whole capture mechanic a lot. Um, I think it provides a lot of variety to the game. And the other thing I like about it is that uh, 
it reminds me more of Super Mario 64. And it mm. brings back a little bit more. And you were saying how it uh, you had to do stuff to get to the Mario. And I agree with that. Um, but I, I like that. A little bit of the discovery and adventure elements of Mario in the 3D Mario games. And I feel like that's something that's been lost a little bit lately. Not that I didn't like the 3D Mario games. I love them. But they had kind of turned into, like, these really crazy, like, platforming gauntlets. And I like that, too. You know, I like testing my skills and really being put to the test. This game isn't so much about that. It's a little bit more about adventuring and discovering things. Um, and it's just a little bit of a different spin on it. And I feel like I'm ready for that after the Galaxies and Super Mario 3D World. I just feel like mm -hmm. I'm ready for a little bit of a change. So I went into the show kind of sour on this game. The other thing I would say, too, is they showed so much of it. I mean, they literally showed hours of this game. Whereas every other game, you're lucky to get an eight-minute canned gameplay mm. demo. They just threw the game out there. Yeah. And, like, every day, the treehouse would show new parts that weren't in the show on the show floor. Um, well, certainly, I don't... I mean, I didn't have any doubts anyway, but I think there's no reason to doubt this game is making it this year. Oh, this, no yeah, way. That, that oh, release yeah. date is set in 100 yeah. This is their Christmas, you know, 800-pound gorilla... To, to bring back the new Donk City thing again. Yep. <laughs> um, like it, it, like this is this is uh, clearly they knew this is their their linchpin for the second half of the year, and they they blew it out. And they, I think as much as I, it's not quite the game I wanted. I think they did it did it upright. Yeah. In the show. Okay, let's go for our, our last down from each of us. I hate that on a sour note. We should swap these next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But our last down. What's your last down? My last down is uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm. Which I was looking forward to more Life is Strange. I really liked Life is Strange. Yeah. I'm actually I'm playing it again on PlayStation 4 now that it was the free game for PlayStation right, Plus. Right. I'm like, you know what? I'll do that again. Yeah. I'll do that again. But, um, so this game is, A, it's a prequel. Yeah. Which is which not... Is okay, which is okay. Yeah. But you do miss... I don't care that much. Yeah. And Max isn't part of it, so it's yeah. not... You know, it's like it's like the Twin Peaks thing. It's like I don't actually care who killed Laura Palmer. Like right. the, 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 <laughs> the point is the things that the the fallout of that. Right. Um, it's not made by uh, Don't Nod, the developers of the original game. Yep. And it doesn't have Ashley Birch as the voice of Chloe because of the writer, the the, the voice actor strike. Yep. So that's basically that's really weird. That's basically three strikes <laughs> in your like, like I don't know who this game is for at that point. Yeah. Um, it's just it. I was. Cool. I was like in a really cool, like more life is strange, awesome. Oh, oh, oh. Well, like, you forgot like, the fourth mm. strike, which is they took out its most defining gameplay mechanic, which oh, was the, the time ability. Travel. Yeah, because Max isn't part yeah. of it. So. so the time traveling thing's like all out of it. Yeah. So and it's only three episodes. Yeah. It's terrible, and the portions are too small. I'm there with you. I was disappointed so to I, hear I mean, Every, everything I've heard about this game. I was disappointed to hear yeah. it. I mean, I guess it. it, it, it was. I went back and forth about picking this as one of the downs because it feels like a pretty small game to, you know, pick as one of your two big disappointments of the show. But I'm like, you know what? I like Life is Strange enough to be that disappointed, yeah. I think. And hopefully Don't Nod comes back and does a Life is Strange 2 If it just years. doesn't kill it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the danger. Yeah. Is no one will care then. That's the other thing. Is like, are is this game's, you know, is it could this game prevent us from getting more of the good from Don't Nod? Yeah. As much as I'm looking forward to their vampire game. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought this Although was... that didn't look especially that good either. That didn't look great either, but... Um, that almost made my list, actually. Yeah. As one of the downers. Well, lucky for them, they're screwing up the pre their previous game first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this so this was just uh, basically something that was like, oh, 
like just killed killed the hype for this game completely for me. Yep. Uh, my last down is Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. That was also almost one of mine, but again, I I, I was hoping you'd pick that pick that baton up. I don't know how it's possible to create a fighting game that has some of my most beloved characters in the history of video games in it and make it a game I really have no interest in playing. Yeah, I mean, look, it looks like it plays fine versus what well, I mean, the story, I haven't played the story demo, but there's been some bad it's bad. Some bad it's really uh, bad, yeah. Uh, impressions on that. People like some of the pros who were playing the game on the floor were saying it, it like it's you know, the depth is there, the the versus feel is there, but look, it looks terrible it really does like the character I don't know designs, how it looks like this i mean technically it looks terrible yeah um also artistically it yeah. looks terrible like some of the characters you can hardly even recognize them in this game uh, it's like like they're lucky chun li isn't a real person or she'd sue them it's like capcom <laughs> i mean look this game should have been a shoe-in for mm -hmm. fighting game of e3 2017 mm -hmm. a shoe-in there shouldn't even have been any question that should have been one of the easiest categories to ever choose mm-hmm and it's not. I I didn't really like anything about this game. I highly doubt that this game is going to become like a tournament fighter. I think they'll just stick to the old games. Uh, I don't really think the roster in this game is one of the better in the series. The roster suffers a lot from losing the X-Men. Yeah, for um, sure. And like which is something I I think I called that on this show you did, months yeah. and months ago because it's just not going to there you might see that ice thaw in the DLC as the seasons progress yeah. but yeah no I mean you take the X-Men out you've got no Storm no Wolverine no Magneto no Sentinel you don't have the characters that basically define this series and oh, have right. since at least Marvel 2 and then they also don't even have Akuma in it, which means that Jason, Justin Wong's entire team is annihilated like, like who yeah. are these people going to play yeah. I don't know um <laughs> And I mean, you're still going to see it in tournaments and stuff because um, you think you will. Yeah, because Capcom's going to force it. Uh, Capcom sponsors. You mean you'll, you'll this see shit. it on like the Capcom Pro Tour? Oh yeah, right? for sure. Where you see it at like Evo? Oh, of course. You think Capcom sponsors? That's part. Uh, that's part right. of the Pro Tour. Oh, man. You're right. Like, that's going to happen. Capcom puts I money behind about that. that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like you know local stuff like Wednesday night fights like the you know will you, will this be a big deal? It'll be a you big deal. You mean the tournaments where the fighters get to decide the what the games choose. are? <laughs> and again, it will be there because yeah. people got to play it to be good enough to get to, to, to do the Capcom Pro Tour. Pro Tour. Like yeah. they got you over a barrel on wow. that one. But do I think Marvel Three will disappear? No, yeah. I think like, people will still play Marvel Three. They'll play this for money, but they'll play Marvel Three for love. Yeah. I was really disappointed in this game. Again, I thought it was going to be a shoe-in for fighting game of E3 2017. And I just tipped my hand a little bit to one of the categories, but that's okay. Because you don't know what I am going to pick. All right. Let's start off with our E3 2017 awards proper. Our first award. How many do we have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like 15 awards. Mm -hmm. Let's rock. First one. Best debut. Now, this category is a category that we kind of include so that games that we don't get to play mm -hmm. can still be recognized. And it's becoming harder and harder to figure out which games can be considered for awards and which ones should be considered for this award. Um, because sometimes like the developers will play it, like God of War, for instance, was a game that I mm -hmm. got to see played. I didn't play it. But conceivably, if I'm an E3 judge, I'm sure they would have done what they used to do when I was an E3 judge and hand me the controller to prove to me that it's real. Um, but there are some games it's hard to figure out because they'll show a trailer that's basically gameplay, but is that all just pre-recorded? And if it is, they can jimmy stuff and 
So it just gets more and more murky by the day. But this category, best debut, is basically for games that we saw that we did not get to play and could not, therefore, maybe be considered as mm -hmm. a game of the show candidate, for instance. Um, and best debut, we both chose the same game. We can say it together. Anthem. Anthem. Yeah. Yeah. If I would have got to play this, I probably would have given a game. Of the yeah, show. same. This is this is the this is the best thing I saw this year. Yeah, I agree. No question. This shot right here just blows my freaking mind. Just the level of fidelity in this opening shot in the bazaar. It's just it's insane. Like this is what next gen technology is all about right here. This is what mm -hmm. the Xbox One X is all about. Um, just look at the lighting in this scene. Light lighting is a is a big deal this year. Like. Lighting made a lot of stuff look extra amazing. It did, for sure. Um, I mean, and just the way the game is designed, uh, it's an action RPG. It looks like the destiny that I wanted <laughs> instead mm -hmm. of what we ultimately got. Yeah, and people keep saying, oh, Destiny 2, Destiny It's like, look, you're going to finish all the content in Destiny 2 by the time this game makes oh, it Oh, for out. sure. Like, these are not competitors. Yeah, yeah, they're nice. not going to step on each other's toes or anything. By the time you, you're, you've had your fill of Destiny 2, this sucker's going to come out, and you're just going to keep on rolling. Mm -hmm. Um I love the gameplay that they show. It looks interesting and fun. I love the atmosphere of the game. I like the setting of the game. I like the tone of the game. I like the art style. I have not seen anything of this that they've shown so far that I did not like. Um, it's a shame it wasn't playable. It had been great if they had at least put together some kind of a little demo. Mm -hmm. Because I'm pretty confident that this probably would have swept Game of Show Awards. Um, but uh, well, got to save something for next year. Yeah, I mean it's not coming out this year, so I would never get into that thing. Me either. Look at that! Like that, how bad does that smell? Yeah, <laughs> like nobody cleans that <laughs> between between missions. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I'm a big fan, and it seems like on Sifted, everyone else is too. Mm -hmm. uh, all the comments on this clip on Sifted were all just glowing, extremely positive. I haven't seen anybody who uh, thought this was underwhelming in any way, shape, or form. It is BioWare Edmonton, mm -hmm. uh, the team that made all the great Mass Effect games. Yeah. Although I hear it is pretty much BioWare all hands on deck. Oh, I figure. Like, all, all, around, all around the continent. Well, especially now, after what happened with uh, Andromeda. Right. I'm sure BioWare is like, look, we can't, uh, we like, can't really yeah. risk our brand. You know, We yeah, really I, need to make this something special. To a large degree, I believe, like, if you're not working on SWOTOR, you're working on this. Yeah. So, uh, really impressed. I'm... I love how seamless the game is. How you just mm -hmm. jump off a cliff and just, just basically jetpack down into your mission. I think the, I think my favorite part of this little the whole little snippet here is uh, when they go underwater. Yep. And how it's like, oh, there's a lot of stuff. There's oh yeah, stuff it game. opens up a whole other world. You're just like, how big does this? How far down the rabbit hole yeah. can you go? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I am mega hyped, pumped for this game. Um, probably my most anticipated game in the entire industry right now. So yep. um, it's gonna be a long year and a half, two it years. Is. Yeah, it probably will be two. <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> guessing. Uh, and then we, I want, I have an honorable mention for this category, mm -hmm. and uh, I couldn't give it the award because we got so little. But Metroid Prime Four, um, just because it's Metroid Prime Four. Mm. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> they showed us nothing. We don't even know who's developing the game. I just, I know Nintendo's not going to allow the Metroid Prime series to get sullied. If anything, if it doesn't work out, they'll just can it and then let Retro make it. Um, but to me, it's like, it's like I appreciate the attempt to make me shut up. Yeah, Metroid. Yeah, but it's like, look, that thing's 
2019 oh, yeah. lucky. Like, I mean, this yeah. game may not even come out for Switch, in all honesty. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. Like, it, it, it just it felt a kind of an empty move. To oh, me. yeah. It was, it, was, it was just purely so people will shut up. Yeah. So they'll stop complaining that Nintendo doesn't care about Metroid, and it's leaving this franchise behind. That's and maybe all they still us. don't care about Metroid, but they do care about going to sleep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> please leave their, us alone. Their social feed bombarded with nonsense. So. In the meantime, here's another Yoshi game. Yeah. Like, or another Kirby game. Uh, yeah. That sold a lot of Wii U's. It is disappointing that Retro's not developing Metroid Prime 4. Yeah, although a lot of people that made Metroid Prime what it was at Retro aren't there anymore. So yeah. like, if they want to assemble kind of a new team to kind of tackle that, I'm on board with that. I think, I think it's fine. And also... If there's one thing we know from, largely from Metroid Prime's development, is that Miyamoto will not let this game suck. Yeah. Like, they're... He'll go full Emperor they'll make it, Even if we got to wait another five years, yeah. uh, it'll be good when it comes out. I just... It, it, this felt way too early. And playing a little too hard on kind of like, you know, the fanboy freakout thing. It, it, was, it worked! It did work, It worked apparently. on me! <laughs> Sometimes you just got to give in. Uh... And then our next category. This is a really tough one this year. Best graphics. And of course, what is Retro doing? I don't know. Hopefully not another Donkey. I'm really starting to wonder if it is making another Donkey Kong game. New Donk Country. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all know, man. <laughs> I, uh... They're making a whole Donkey Kong New Donk City spinoff. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a talented studio. Even a lot of people have left from the Prime mm. team. I mean, whether you liked Tropical Freeze or not, it's hard to deny that it was a well-designed, gorgeous game. I think Tropical Freeze game. is a tremendously underrated game. It's a great game. Like, I mean, the doubt. people that have played, that played it love it, but like... I just, it surprises me Tropical Freeze is not talked about more. People are burnt out on that franchise. I guess franchise. so, but, like it's, but it looks, it's, it's great. It always seems weird to me to put a big budget and a AAA team against a side-scrolling anything. It's like when you look at the indie scene, the games that these indie people are making with teams of five and six people, it just seems weird to have a team of like 150 people Working on a side-scrolling game, mm-hmm. I just it just doesn't seem like a good use of resources to me. Um, and look, it, it does come through because Tropical Freeze is probably the best side-scrolling platformer from the last seven years or whatever. But is it is it worth it? I mean, ultimately it wasn't because it didn't sell especially well. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what Retro's up to. I'm still disappointed they're not making Prime 4. I get why they would not want to. They've got to be so freaking sick of that series. <laughs> but uh, it's disappointing nonetheless. So, let's move on to best graphics. Matt, what is your pick for the best graphics of E3 2017? Possibly kind of a boring one, but, like, I, it wasn't much of a choice. Forza Motor for Sports 7... I realize it's not really doing anything particularly exciting in yeah. terms of what they're showing us. What we're, they're showing us the graphics doing. Yeah. But like, you stand there in front of that game, and it's like, it is amazing. Like, yeah. it is. It really is. It's you're you're edging into photo real territory in places. You know, you can I can see the difference from six for sure. Oh just yeah, running on, of course, the, on yeah. the X. And oh, on like, the X, it's a yeah, huge difference. It's just not a comparison. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, like so, and it's like I want to acknowledge other games that blew me away v- visually, but like if you're really just talking pure graphics, like this game is is incredible. Yeah. So I uh, there was tucked in the corner. The water, the water on yeah, the on the no, cars. it pu- it pull not even just on the cars. The water pulls on yeah. the ground mm-hmm. and will grow. I, I so I went in the corner of Microsoft X- Xbox booth. There was a. 20-minute presentation just for Xbox One X. 
And it was in this theater, and they showed Minecraft, which, whatever. <laughs> Although I will say, like, Minecraft looks mind-blowing on Xbox One nice. X. <laughs> like, I don't have any interest in playing it, but I'm, like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, that looks but good. This theater had, like, a beautiful TV. Probably, like, 80-inch, like, 4K television or I whatever. think it's what they were showing Gears 4 online. It's, like, it's, like, it's giant, and it's, like... When it moves, it looks like a painting. Yeah, yeah, it like does. it's it's it's, it's, it's a ninety thousand dollar television. Yeah. and uh, so they showed that, and then they showed the revamped Gears of War four for Xbox One X, and I gotta say, that is also freaking mind blowing. Like the amount of work that they've done on that, and then they showed Forza Motorsport seven, mm-hmm. and all the games look incredible. By the way, like all three of them look incredible. Um, Gears of War four, I was like, holy crap! But they're talking about how basically what they did went with it is they're like blowing out the LOD to like farther distances. Mm-hmm. But you know what? In Gears, I could still see pop up. Mm-hmm. And they talked about the LOD. And at that very moment, they spin the camera around. And you see the top of a building and you see the tiles on the roof go. Dunk, 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 mm-hmm. dunk. So I feel like LOD is the next big challenge. It is a big game, challenge. In game, visual game dev. And then they showed Forza. And like walked us through everything that's happened. It is mind-blowing what that game does. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I would say, though, there's still pop-up in that game. Yeah. You can still see, like, signposts popping up on the horizon. And they told they, they told the group that they when they ported the Xbox One S version over to the Xbox One X, they ported the code over direct. They then just cranked it up to 4K, locked it at 60 and they still had 30% headroom left on the GPU. So mm. this is just the beginning, folks. There's still a lot more headroom. I mean, look at what the beginning is. Um, they talked about the water in the game. But I'll tell you what blew my mind more than anything, Matt, of that Xbox One X demo was the at- Dolby Atmos. Mm-hmm. Atmos, Atmos. The Atmos, audio yeah. is incredible. I think I mentioned, when they showed the Atmos logo, I think I mentioned that during the press conference, like, oh, they got Atmos on No, it is a it's, way Atmos bigger is deal. unbelievable. It is a way bigger deal than anybody could ever imagine. Like, literally, it sounds like there's stuff over your mm-hmm. head and there were no speakers on the ceiling. Yeah, and for those who don't know what it is, it basically, it's a, it, it, they, it kind of, the simplest way to say it is it bounces sound off the front wall of your theater room or whatever. And uses that to simulate stuff passing over it you. It is and deadly accurate. It's like there incredible. was a helicopter overhead, and it was literally right freaking there. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, I was blown away. Yeah. I've never been blown away by audio like that in my life. It's like, well, the other time, I, it reminded me of when I first saw, uh, heard Dolby Atmos. Um, the fir- it reminded me of when like uh, we used. To, remember, we, uh, Tech TV used to be right next to the Dolby yeah. Labs. Yeah, we'd go there for some gaming there, events. Yeah, we go there and see that. Um, one of the times we went there, they're like, they're like, hey, try this because they were try- check this out. We used this thing we're working on, and it was basically like, have you, you know, like, have you tried surround sound? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to put these headphones. And it was when they were first developing kind of that way to make headphones fake surround sound. Yeah. And I was like, how? It's behind me. Like, yeah, yeah. like it's just two things here, but it's back here. And it's like, yeah. but it, Atmos is like that. Atmos is that like. How can I be hearing something when there's nothing there? No speakers there? Up there. <laughs> it's it's uh, crazy. It's amazing. And like, of course, it's gonna be really expensive. Oh, it's like a, it's like a five to eight thousand yeah. dollar sound system. But it's yeah. like, so it's irrelevant except for like what, like the nine people that have yeah. it for it also on an Xbox One X. But you can't, I can't overstate how amazing Dolby Atmos is. Yeah, uh, it, it was mind blowing, literally. Um, yeah. But again, that's a new tech technology. That'll eventually come down in price, and, yeah. and people like us will be able to afford it. It's just what's coming next, 
and Xbox One X has it now. Is there first, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I hear you on uh, Forza Motorsport 7. Having somebody there telling you what, talking about what you're seeing mm-hmm. and explaining it to you uh, was was pretty eye-opening. Yeah. And I'm not going to try to say, like, oh, you know, if someone's more excited about the graphics in another game that's less by rote, because... Or by road, maybe yeah. I should say. Yeah. Um, it's uh, I, I understand that. I totally understand that because, like, my honorable mention here would be uh, Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, because a, it's more exciting to watch, and b, the lighting in that game is insane. The animation to me is what really animation as well. But yeah. like, just just when I watch the Spider-Man trailer, it's it, it in, or the Spider-Man demo, whatever you want to call it from the press conference. Yeah. When I watched that a second time, I, I just kept staring at the lighting. Yeah. Like the lighting passing over him when he's falling. Yeah, and all yeah. That. It's just, it's well, so Well, look at that good. shot right there. It's, yeah. <laughs> but, or yeah. even when he's like in the, like the little, like kind of like the, the construction site places and like jumping around and like yeah. just the way it passes over him and then over the things on the ground and the thugs and then he jumps in real fast and it all, I mean... I don't know what kind of black magic they're doing over there, and it's like even there, like look at the the, the slats of the wind, wind, yeah. window blinds on, on his like suit. Yeah, it's so good, and uh, and it just sells. It. It's like maybe it's not the most impressive, like you know, polygon to polygon video uh, or video game graphics right now, but in terms of like selling that kind of colorful art style as something that's happening in a real world, I think it does an amazing job. Well, I think the animation sells what he's doing as plausible, right, right. which is hard to do with characters like yeah. that. But so. in, and Insomniac is very good at that. I mean, the it's very... And we know from watching the movies, it's very hard to have Spider-Man as a character do the thing Spider-Man can. Yeah. Everything a spider can. Yeah. And... <laughs> And still have him feel like he has weight and a place in the real world yeah. that's, that's in and there. And it makes and, sense. And it, they fail at that in the movies they a do. fair amount. But I think this game is nailing it. I thought they got pretty good. They got pretty close in Civil War. In yeah, that. Civil War they did a really good job. But there's, yeah. even, there's always those moments in like the... Like even the Raimi Spider-Mans where he's jumping from rooftop to rooftop. And yeah, it probably would kind of look like that. Yeah. But it just doesn't feel like he's got weight and that he's yeah. real in the world. And this Insomniac game is just nailing that aspect of the character and i love it go figure my winner for best graphics of e3 2017 is metro exodus that was really impressive oh yeah yeah shown during the uh microsoft press conference running on xbox one x Mm -hmm. um I was I was almost early when we first saw that I was a little like is that real? Is it is that real. Really kind of, it yeah, is. they ended up showing it being played to basically make it eligible for E3 right. awards. I mean, unfortunately, that's what these developers have to do. Um, I'm not the world's biggest Metro fan, by the way. Me neither. I've talked about it before how I think the games are kind of drab and the setting isn't all that interesting. I've done a full reversal with the look at this game. Um, if, if this is like a tech demo for Xbox One X. It pretty much shows off everything that the hardware is capable of, but I think most importantly what I love about it is the art. Um, you'll see eventually here you get to it where there, there's creatures that attack you, and those character models are some of the, probably actually the best character models I've ever seen in a console mm-hmm. video game. Certainly, like the way, that the, how close they are and how well they hold oh, up and the at detail. that distance. Yeah, yeah and just the, the little attention to detail, like the animations of the faces and the, the fur shading and the hair and Man, it's just, and it's moody, the lighting, just even that, where you burn up the, there's just, the attention to detail in this game, to me, is just absolutely incredible. Like, look at that creature. Like, it just, 
It's CG in real time, Matt. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. We're, we're there now. Toy Story in real time, finally. Yeah. Really terrifying Toy Story. Yeah, but I mean, the, look, the attention to detail in the animation is in this as well. Like, I don't know if you saw, but like when you shot that first mm -hmm. creature, like he does this crazy like shiver. Um, I'm shocked that this game is coming from this team. Um, I mean, their games have always looked good, but they kind of lack that attention to detail that we're seeing in this one. Like, they always had the mask kind of fogging up, and that was kind of one of the gameplay mm -hmm. elements of the game. Uh, but just, I feel like everything's handled with aplomb here. Um, just that shot right there. Do you see when yeah. that, like, that dust that came down from the window right there? There's just so many little things in this. In it. I, and I, the fact that that monster model holds up in the light. In daylight, yep. yeah. Because a lot of times they'll hide mm -hmm. kind of rough edges in the dark. And then you come out here and you see the open world. And yeah. it's just like, okay, so it's doing all this, and it's not in these little self-contained levels that is kind of cheating in a lot of ways. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it. Because I, I did play the, the Metro games, and they're cool, but like... The Janky thing, a lot of times. Yeah, I, the thing that um, the thing that always got me about the Metro games was like the premise is a little like if you just hear it, it's sort of like oh okay, so, the, so Chernobyl world, world's gone to hell and and uh, everybody's hiding and like but they come out to but there, there's like this beautifully like uniquely Russian element oh, to yeah. it where it's like everyone in the game knows they're all gonna die and probably humanity is doomed. But they still go out and like kill stuff and hunt stuff and yeah. Yeah. why? Because what else are you gonna do? Because life is suffering. Keep, and it's just like it's like it's like there's a reason this on. thing starts with a Dostoevsky quote. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like this is a Russian novel as an action movie. It is. Yeah, there so, is no hope here. Yep, I'm really excited. This is also one of the games that we know is like running in real time, so that mm -hmm. gives a little bit of a again. Look at well. this, the lighting and, and all the detail in these rooms. I mean, Xbox One X is it. It makes a difference, man. It does. It is. Uh, it's not like PS4 Pro where you're squinting your eyes trying to figure out what the improvements are. Like it's blatantly obvious that it's the most powerful console ever made, without a doubt. Also, really small. Yeah, it's tiny. seeing that thing in person, man. It's like it's like this big. Yeah, it's and so thin. little. Yeah, and like this. Yeah, I don't know how they're doing it. I'm assuming the power brick for that thing is going to be like this big. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be this big. It's going to mount on the opposite wall. Like, yeah, you have to like mount it on the yeah, wall. Yeah, don't stand too near it because your body heat will overheat the yeah, system. Yeah. Like this. Yep, all right. Comes so, in an ice chest. We're ready for our next category, best first person shooter. Matt, I think everybody in the world can guess what game you're going to pick. Yeah, this is for me Star Wars Battlefront 2. No surprise. Um... Yeah, you know, I was I I enjoyed the first one in spite of kind of the dearth of content or the darth of content. I don't know. <laughs> um, but every everything they've changed up and everything they're adding, everything else they're doing in this game is exactly the right move. I think um, it it looks and feels more weighty and solid. Not to I mean not too weighty because Battlefront is a little floaty to begin with. Yeah, I felt I feel um, like it still kind of feels the same. But it, the guns feel I think are a little better. Maybe um, not like. Great, not Call of Duty great, but it doesn't quite feel like everything is the same thing now. They did a, by the way, they did a terrible job debuting this game. Yeah, this was not at, a good after the press conference. That thirty-minute chunk of gameplay, no. it, like they kept cutting to people who were terrible at the game, mm -hmm. and then they had like the esports announcer who's supposed to try to smooth everything. It just became incredibly awkward after a while, and yeah. eventually the announcer just started making fun of the people who were. The game. Yeah, which is probably not what you want no. for the, the <laughs> debut of your game. But um, so I'm, you know, this is. I mean, obviously, it's kind of a no-brainer. But I like all the, all the, you know, it looks amazing. It has all the different eras. 
Uh, I like that you can mix eras with the heroes. I like that you know you no longer have to go pick up uh, stupid icons to have any of the cool stuff in the game. You yeah. Use the battle points you earn to, to to buy those and become them yourself. Um, I like all the features of it. Yeah. I like the changes that they've made. I like the how they're handling the modes. I like that there's going to be a campaign. I like that the which is a little weird that they kind of shoved to the side. I'm a little nervous about. Yeah, I that. don't know. I was really expecting to see some campaign demos somewhere yeah. and it just didn't happen i mean they showed some to the press who got to write about it and you know talk about right, it, not but, show they, it. They, but they were not confident enough to show it That's publicly concerning is, to me which is weird yeah. and then when i played it it still felt very much like the first game as far mm. as the gameplay was concerned because that's why it didn't win best shooter for me but i do like the features i think for star wars fans it's going to be even better than the last game um it does seem like it's going to have sort of longer legs mm-hmm. uh, that people are going to be able to enjoy it for a longer period of time uh, I like that they're mixing up the modes a lot more. Uh, so I'm all in, except for I just didn't, still didn't quite like the feel of the gunplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is something that they can keep working on. I mean, that is one of those things that you can keep tweaking. Uh, even after its release, you can keep tweaking it. Yeah. So I mean, I, I agree with you that it doesn't feel as good as it does. I don't understand why it just isn't just a one-to-one in terms of just feel and gunplay. I don't know why I mean, that's just Battlefield. a Battle, Battlefield 1. Yeah, like, just I don't take get it. that and put blasters in it. Like, I don't need... I don't understand it either. But, I mean, I'll put up with it for Star Wars. Yeah, I, I mean, look, just watch this trailer. Yeah. <laughs> if you like Star Wars, you're going to freaking <laughs> splooge all over this game, without a you doubt. Even, you made me excited to watch Battle Droids. Like, yeah. that's, <laughs> it, that doesn't happen very often. Yep. Uh, okay, my pick for the best first-person shooter of E3 2017 is... And no surprise after I already gushed all over it, mm-hmm. Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Um, These are really the two top dogs of the show. Yeah, but I, we're, it's funny it. because we're flip-flopped. So you love Star Wars because of the multiplayer. Don't know much about the campaign. Mm-hmm. I love Wolfenstein <laughs> yeah. for the campaign. Don't really know squat about the multiplayer. Which is extra funny because I'm the campaign guy and you're the multiplayer No, you're guy. absolutely right. Isn't that crazy how it's been flipped? <laughs> um, you know, neither one of us picked Call of Duty here. True. I was not impressed with Call of Duty World War II at all. I didn't I didn't think it looked... I mean, visually, graphically, I didn't think it looked very good. It doesn't look as good as either um, of these games. I didn't think the multiplayer was all that engaging. I didn't... I, I only watched, like, the videos on, this, on the... that you curated on the site of it. Yeah. Um, it looked fine, but it didn't look like anything I was going to jump into. Um, actually, my favorite comment on Call of Duty World War II, there were two guys behind me as I was walking past the Activision booth while they were showing it on the big screens, and they go, one guy goes, wow, man, look at that thing, look at that game, and they're like, wow, that really looks like a world war. And I was like, <laughs> well done, Sledgehammer, <laughs> like, like, mission accomplished. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, not much else to say beyond yeah. that, is there? I, I think probably one of the, the reasons I lean towards Wolfenstein is because it is so different and so unique. The tone and the and just everything about it is just so fascinating, I guess, to me. The way mm-hmm. that they're kind of handling this alt history kind of approach to to the game. Um, I like the comedy, the tongue and cheek stuff, the just totally off the wall stuff. Mm-hmm. I love the way it was marketed. I love that fake-ass TV show that they made for the trailer. I love the creepy strawberry milkshake scene. (laughs) And then I played it, and it plays amazing, and it's even weirder and more strange and different than uh, I had even imagined. So, How many copies of the last game do you think they've sold this week? A lot, I think. Because it went on sale as like a a couple days after that, and I'm like, like, yeah, people, tons of people are just going like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get some Wolfenstein in. Like, yeah, I was talking to a guy who used to do, be camera guy at uh, GT, his name's Mike Buddy. Uh, he's a hardcore gamer. He's one of the few camera guys we worked with who actually played a ton of games. 
And I was talking to him about this game, and uh, I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I didn't play the last one. And he's like, I played the old one from, like, way, way mm-hmm. back in the day. And I was like, well, there's a sale on this game right now. And I'm like, I think it's, like, five or ten bucks. I'm like, I, if you don't like it, I'll PayPal you or Venmo you the right. money that you spend on it. And uh, he texted me last night. He's like, I'm two hours in. He's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, if you like that, you should just put your pre-order in right now for, uh, for, the, for Wolfenstein 2. So... I was really impressed with this game. Again, it's something that feels completely different. Uh, when you're at a show like E3, where you're just getting bombarded with media and gameplay all over the place, something that stands out tends to leave it at a lasting impression. And that's exactly what happened for me with Wolfenstein 2. And again, I'm interested to see if it's hit other journalists like it has me. Mm-hmm. So we Wolfenstein should... 2, the 13th Wolfenstein game. Yeah. <laughs> the nomenclature And the for third games. game in this particular little series. Yeah. No one, no one knows what numbers. Yeah, it, numbers and words mean nothing. Well, especially Bethesda. I mean, Bethesda, it's like they just reboot Doom. It's just called Doom. It's like, how do you deal with that in the database? It's mm-hmm. like, and then Dishonored 2's first batch of DLC is just called Dishonored. It's like, what are you doing over there? What, with a new thing this year? Yeah. That's standalone. It is, but it's like, it's not called Dishonored 2, Anything, colon. Yeah. It's, it's just, just Dishonored, right. colon. It's, a, it's like a side story on this. I, I don't know what they're but doing. But you're playing... There. A character from two. Yeah, so, and then they did the same thing with Prey. It yeah. wasn't actually called Prey Two; it was just called Prey again. It's like why? <laughs> I don't get it. Bethesda, you're but a bunch of ruiners. Yeah, ruiners of databases. All right, so th- we're gonna move on next to a category that I thought was really kind of poorly represented at E3 this year. I agree with that. Um, you know, I was kind of Which looking a change for... from recent years. Yeah, I know one thing: you really see the power sifted when you go to do these awards because. Nowhere else can you click one thing and see an entire genre from E3. Mm-hmm. It's like, so it's our topic. Like, I just clicked indie. And instantly, I saw the entire gamut of indie games that were shown at E3. And as I started looking, I was like, wow. There was, like, hardly any yeah. great indie games at E3 this year. I mean, Cuphead was there, but I'm like, I'm a king give Cuphead <laughs> but another freaking award. There? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> screw you, dude. You screw me enough times already. I'm not giving you another award. I'll see you in September. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But I mean, if beyond you're that, lucky. Beyond that, like, it was kind of hard to find yeah. like three really good games that made because, an like, impact. Because like, I went, I did this. I went to the sifted indie section because I had I had this game in mind. Yeah. But I was like, I want to check. The indie sift to make sure I'm something. not missing something that was good. Yeah, and I wasn't. Nope, I really you wasn't. Really weren't. Yeah. So, what's your pick, Matt? My pick is uh, Unruly Heroes. Yeah, I was really impressed um, with this game. Which just this art style and the animation is like, if I was going to make a video game, I would want it to look like this. Yeah, like this. It's gorgeous, I love man. it. And especially when you get a little further in this and you see the, the that the alligator monsters yeah. here. Those look so cool. Just the way they move, it's kind of got like a vanillaware look to it. Yeah. But it's just this like kind of like hyper detailed like art happening, and like I and like you know I love side scrolling beat 'em up stuff anyway, and like and this this just like came out of nowhere. It really did come out attention. of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I I love it. Like this is this is this has jumped to like my you know top 10 maybe top five anticipated right now i i can't wait to 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 get my hands on this thing yeah this co-op right four player co-op four player co-op and team it looks like there's team up attacks and Mm -hmm. team attacks and and everybody's got a role and like there's support you know support stuff versus attacks there's a lot happening here but like mainly i love side scrolling like beat-em-up platform stuff and 
this this is one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen in that space. It's very pretty. Love it. Um, my pick, unfortunately, we don't have any footage for the live stream, but it'll be uh, inserted into the archive. Uh, it's a game called The Artful Escape. Did you get to see this game at all? Uh, I saw it in the press conference. So this game it was... Was, in, was that in Microsoft? It was in... Or oh, Sony's. Oh, I can't remember which. It may have been in Sony's, actually. Um, this I game... I feel like it was Sony's. This game was a failed Kickstarter project. They had tried to kickstart it under a different name, and I guess somebody saw what they had been working on, the initial prototypes, and decided it was worth investing in, so it now has investment to be finished. Um, it's a side-scrolling music and rhythm puzzle platformer. Mm -hmm. um, the lead character is almost like a marionette. He animates like yeah. he's just got like joints like this, but... They kind of look like uh, Broken Age. Yeah, you're yeah. right. That's a good way to put it. The art style is very similar to Broken Age. And, but the animation, I think, is... It's, again, it's, it's like um, when you were a kid and you'd like make mm -hmm. these things where you'd put like the pins in at the joints and then you could like articulate them. That's kind of the art style. But the, the lead character has a flying V guitar. It's just, the, it's just like Wolfenstein. It's completely bizarre and offbeat. But he has a flying V guitar that he can use to manipulate the levels. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a game that just recently came out called Old Man's Story. Um, where it's just about this old man who's on a journey who could kind of shift the 2D worlds to create new avenues to sort of progress through the levels. And you do the same thing with the flying V guitar in this game. Um, and it fires off like crazy. It's just so weird because it looks like this mm -hmm. sort of surreal, precious little indie game. And then the dude has a flying V guitar and he fires off these crazy like guitar riffs. So um, I was somewhat reminded, this, this is a, it was a viral video from a few years ago, but it reminds me a little bit of a video called Brody Quest, which was, it was like similarly animated. It was basically, a, it was Adrian Brody becoming a god. And the way he did was he sort of walked through all these like various locations, eventually got a magical flying V guitar from the center of the sun and played like <laughs> played hot like riffs until he was acknowledged by the creator of the universe and the entire universe became Adrian Brody. <laughs> like like and I feel like this game came off to me as that weird yeah. as well. I think this was the most unique game I saw at all of these. It was definitely a new Actually you you picked a game for another category later on that's close. Uh, I'm like, oh, I won't spoil it, but uh, I felt like Did this I? was the most... Oh, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I now. felt like this was the most unique game at the entire show, and it was on the floor. I think I would still give this one the edge over the, over the one you're talking about. From yeah, um, but it was on the floor. You're able to play it. Um, I enjoyed playing it. The gameplay felt great. It felt polished already. Uh, I don't think it's too long until it comes out as well, and it is coming out on multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. So The Artful Escape is mm -hmm. my best of E3 winner for best indie game. Now we're going to go to what is probably the most popular genre in the industry at this point. Yes. Uh, to, to a fault, yeah. one might say. Yeah, I would agree with that. It is best RPG. Mm -hmm. um, and so many things are RPGs now that were not RPGs. Yeah, games that used to be action adventures like Assassin's Creed, God of War, even like Tomb Raider now is getting yeah. there, are turning into action RPGs. Yeah, Rise of the Tomb Raider really... Would you categorize it as action RPG? It really That's comes up really on, alongside right on the line, it. yeah. Like I feel like it I like the thing that like maybe would put that over the line is if you upgraded Lara in like kind of a like a skill tree. Right. Thing. Like skill trees really push you over that line. Yeah. I mean the only really big franchise that still kinda sound well, Spider Man is a pure action yeah. adventure. Um and Uncharted is still a pure action adventure. But otherwise, like all those franchises that used to be in that genre are now moving over to the action RPG side of things. So 
With that in mind, Matt, what is your best RPG of E3 2017? My best RPG is a action RPG uh, called Assassin's Creed Origins. Yep. Um, and uh, one of the main reasons I picked it for this was because the RPG elements of it are the parts I'm most interested in. Well, they're the parts that change it change so much and make you interested in it again. And again, like I said before, I'm a little skeptical. I mean, not skeptical, but I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that will work kind yeah. of thing. But, you know, you've got, like, Diablo-style loot now with all these kind of inventory equipment things. You've got, you know, different skill trees. Like There's health meters above health the meter. enemy's heads. Yep. And, there's, <laughs> you know, like they, they were saying, like, you know, if you want to be able to kind of, you know, one-shotting high-end enemies isn't just not a thing, but you can ch kind of chain kill people, or you like you can get some of those old abilities back if you go up high enough in the assassination tree. Enemies have levels, kind of yeah, and levels matter, and you have to, you know, you, there are places where it's not like the old games where like you just, you know, whoever, you, even if you saw like a big dude back in the, you know, like in the old Assassin's Creed games, it'd be like, well, I guarantee you, I'm better at fighting than him. Right. I'll, just, I'll just outlast him or get three hits on him or disarm him or kill him with his own sword. Or just sword. do a counter kill. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> but that is just not an element of this game anymore. Yeah. And uh, you can become proficient in doing some of that stuff if you go up the skill trees properly. But that is more of like, you know, kind of an enhanced way to handle enemies as opposed to, you know, mowing down legions of troops like you used to in the old games. And I find that to be a much more interesting approach. Yep. So in terms of kind of how they're approaching the action RPG idea... Um, especially for a game that wasn't that before, I think Assassin's Creed captured my interest the best. Yep, and that was my runner-up for best RPG. My winner is God of War. Mm -hmm. um, that was all. That, God of War would be my runner-up. Yeah, so. um, and I think maybe I chose God of War over Assassin's Creed Origins because I feel like it's even a bigger, more of a drastic change for this mm -hmm. franchise. Because I mean, God of War was just straight up action adventure. Action. Oh, full. I mean, there was slash, no. Uh, yeah semblance or hint of rpg and god of war before with with assassin's creed it's kind of inched towards this it's mm -hmm. had a few elements kind of sprinkled in leading up to this yeah, um, it, it doesn't feel like it feels like maybe they would have gotten to origins in like four more games anyway right you know yeah. as opposed to kind of shutting it down and reinventing in two years which is exactly what's happened with god of war yeah. it is an entirely different game and it's not just about the gameplay changes with i like all of them because i had completely burnt out on this franchise before but it's also how they're handling, like, the story in this game. It actually, like, has a story that you care about, which to mm -hmm. me is kind of one of the tenets of the RPG genre. Um, and something that has not really been part of Kratos no. up to now. I mean, the layers that we're seeing from Kratos, um, just in the media and the demos that we've seen of this game so far, it's like he's a... He's a completely different character. Well, and now a character changes a man. Right. And now a character that I actually <laughs> care about. Like I just hate I hated him before. Like he was one of those few characters in games where you play as him but he didn't feel like he was the hero. Like, mm -hmm. he, he just felt like a he was a piece of crap and like you're actually starting to see some yeah. humanity from him. Sometimes he was the least terrible person. Right. Yeah. But that was about as the far as the lesser of all the really bad evils. And uh, I feel like we're starting to see some layers. You're actually starting to see him kind of address the things mm -hmm. that he's done and the life that he's led. Although there is a couple of places with, um, like in the new, the new trailer or the new bit they showed where there's that woman who's just like, you need to, like, this is you now. He's your son. You right. have to be what, what you know, like, there's still a little, little old Kratos in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look, he's still he's a badass. He's still a dick. Yeah, I mean, he's a jerk <laughs> and he's a badass. But as they say in Guardians, I don't think 
anyone's 100% a dick. Right. And that's what we're going <laughs> to learn about Kratos. Well, I don't think it would have made sense either to turn him to the turn him instantly into this sort of sympathetic character. I mean, no. you can't he can't forget all the life that he's lived and uh, but this is what I love. I love that we're having this conversation about a God of War game, Matt. Like, what would you have said about the story in the other God of Wars? What have you said? It's like Yep, Kratos in Haiti. Like, Kratos, there's nothing. To Kratos got to kill some gods. Yeah, there's no, there was no layers to it at all. So uh, I actually, it was funny. I bought a uh, a bunch of the God of War remasters digitally because I had them in the collection discs, but I bought them on PlayStation Four, PlayStation Three digitally. Yeah, and it was just a moment of like. God, there were a lot of these things. Yeah, and they're and all they were very the much the same. Thing. Every time, it's mean, just like what separated each one was the set piece moments. Right. It's like and oh, I don't, you, I don't think they ever got better than two. Yeah, like, I love two. I don't know. I think I like parts of all of them. Mm. Like I liked uh, the second PSP one is surprisingly good too. I, Ghost, I didn't Ghost, even play that Ghost one. of Sparta was I actually had some really cool moments in it. I mean. I don't know. I thought I think every God of War game has its moments, but the expectations for that series has, has now changed. Yeah, and, expectations uh, for every game has changed. It really they're has. From, yeah, they're from a different era, and there's also you know I think Phil Spencer or somebody was saying that like that kind of game never really caught on in Europe. So God of War just sort of was a non-entity there. Yeah, and they you know things have to be global hits now. They do. Yeah, when you're talking about that, that kind of money, budgets, yeah. So, so I'm all over God of War. I uh, cannot wait to play it. I I'm was really it. hoping we were going to get to play it this year, but not. It's mm-hmm. going to be early 2018. I think actually the the best thing about what they showed for God of War this year for me was that they proved that like the scale is still there. Yeah. Like the the for one sure. thing we didn't see last year was kind of you know the the giant creatures and the I mean there were he fought the giant guy and stuff. But it was yeah. a, you know the, the world serpent in this the new footage where it's just like oh yeah okay like. You know, th- this is still the series where you fought the Colossus of Rhodes in the oh, first yeah. level of yeah, yeah. God of War 2. Well, then know? he spits like, out an axe. Right. <laughs> Which well, is a little weird. Well, it's his axe. Yeah. He threw, he threw it into the whirlpool at the beginning, and, and he was giving it back. Right, you know? right. It's, there's rules to these things. Uh, then we both wanted to mention one game as an honorable mention, mm-hmm. and that's Nino Kuni 2. Yeah. This just, game really impressed me at E3. Yeah. Just gorgeous. It and really is. And not even just that. It's just like um, one thing I really like about it is where you're starting to see some more adult elements creeping into it. Mm-hmm. It's, not like nice a, it's not like a kid's fable anymore. Although a kid could certainly play this and probably would be none the wiser to some of the stuff that's going on yeah. as far as how adults will perceive but it. But it, it just feels more like a, like a Studio Ghibli film in the yeah. sense that they're, they are, you know, Kid friendly, but if you're an adult and you watch them, you're going to get something out of that too. Yep. And uh, I mean, this is also sort of on my hot list for best graphics of E3, just purely for artistic reasons. And it's nice that, like, like this honestly is how good Persona Five should have looked, in my opinion. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Um, And like, just the fact that like they've changed the combat up a bit, and it's not as you know, it was a little dry in the first it game. It was, yeah. The combo was kind of the least interesting part of it. Yeah. And um, this feels like there's a lot more happening. The, the, and yeah, the graphical flash is there. It's, it's cool. Um, I will miss your, you know, your Welsh sidekick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and your sidekick, the Kingmaker sidekick in this kind of looks a lot like Lisa Simpson's. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. The other um, thing I, I like about this game showing at E3 is a lot like Mario. They showed off a ton of it. Um, they were on every stage, demoing mm-hmm. it with gameplay. They weren't just rolling trailers while they talked about it. Um, is this they this year? They this game off. It is this year. It's like November 10th. Wow. 
Wow, he just Ooh, did some crazy look at that. wipe. A little sunburst <laughs> transition there from Sam. Do you have a star wipe in there? Is there a star wipe built into there? <laughs> That's too bad. I've never seen that before. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to best VR game. Take away the graphics package and Sam's getting all <laughs> confident. Uh, best VR game, sure to be the least popular category of all the ones that we uh, discuss on yeah, the episode today. But, just by uh, virtue of no one having them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say it seemed like a good many VR games. a couple games. of good things in there. I mean, there was a lot um, of games announced for VR. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot for PlayStation VR. And oddly enough, one of the best looking ones was not shown. Not in the conference. In the conference. Matt, what game was it? Archangel. Yeah. That uh, game was hot. Which, by, by Sundance... Uh, really Sundance Games, is that what? Skydance. Skydance, Skydance. yeah. Which is um, a developer I never heard of. They're new. And then I met one of them, and I talked to him, I'm like, hey, you guys are making Archangel, where'd you guys come from? He's like, mm-hmm. well, we just formed, or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, brand new. Like, they started development on it 14 months ago. Yeah, and I was um, like, well, you have like one of the best looking VR games yeah. I've ever seen, like visually, without a doubt. But it is, uh, so it's a VR game, and basically, it's a mech, I mean, it's a mech game. Yeah. But um, instead of, like, kind of a Battletech mech, this is a Pacific Rim style, yeah. like, a, like a Voltron style mech. Yeah, a yeah. giant, giant, a super robot. Humanoid-like robot, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it is, it's kind of a rails shooter, like, you're not controlling the robot's move, like, walking, but you do control both of its arms. Yeah. And with the motion controller. You can't yeah. play with a DualShock. You can't. And this works for, this is for PS4 and for Vive and HD. Yeah, and it is, it's like a two-week timed exclusive on PlayStation, on PS, on PlayStation VR. VR for some... Because if you just can't wait those two weeks, you're finally going to drop that 400 bucks on a PSVR, I guess. I'm also wondering, too, if this footage is actually from the PlayStation VR version. That's a good question. When they, I would when, not be surprised if it's not. It looks a little too, too clean. Good. Yeah, it yeah. does. I mean, Farpoint makes me at least waffle. Yeah. If, it, if Farpoint didn't exist, I would not believe it at all if this was PlayStation VR, but now that it does, it, there's a chance this is PlayStation VR. Yeah, but. I mean, look, I, I admit I'll probably just wait for Vive. Yeah. This one. But, <laughs> especially also because it's so motion-centric and the Vive yeah. is obviously, you know, better smoother and yeah. better at that. But, you know, I love giant robots, I love Godzilla stuff, and, all, and all, you're walking through a city and you can punch, you can punch, uh, you can shoot Gatling guns and, like, use a shield and... And like fire missiles and stuff, but you can also just hitch stuff. Yeah. And like they've showed them, like, you know, punching like the sides out of buildings and knocking bridges down and stuff. See, and the like, destruction yeah, is in. what makes me think that we're not seeing the PlayStation VR version. Well, they, I saw the the I saw the demo of it on the on the Sony stream. Yeah. And like what they showed there did look like PlayStation VR. Yeah. Like okay. the, they, they knocked the bridge down, and all the guys on the bridge stayed floating in the air and yeah. fell over dead <laughs> on nothing. You right, know? Like, right. Okay, that's probably PlayStation VR. Um, but, uh, I mean, this game is just directly up my alley. It's yeah. exactly what I want. It, it's the kind of game, and they talk about this, and if you talk to them or you t- see the interviews, you'll, they'll say, like, um, you know, you watch it in, on, on the screen and it looks cool, but you, in VR, the scale that oh, VR is going to just make Well, yeah, it it'll make you feel like you're actually a giant thing. robot. Yeah. yeah. And there's some combined tactics stuff where you're usually with, like, a bunch of, like, APC uh, units and, like, you're helping them and they, like, give you extra abilities and if you let them get, like, taken out, you lose those abilities and that can be a bad thing when you're fighting powerful enemies. Like, there's stuff going on here. It's, again, it's like I use, I always say about PlayStation VR, um, it feels like there's more real games being made for them as opposed to, quote, experiences. Yeah. Um, and this, this, is, uh, this is just a game I want. I mean, the other one that I really liked was Moss. You like that, um, huh? I like the... Look, I like little 
I like little like little guy big world games. Little guy big world stuff. <laughs> and I also like maybe it's just that I like you know had experience with Redwall and Mouse Guard, but I like little mouse warrior things. I don't really have an explanation. Maybe it's because I grew up watching Secret of Nim. Yeah. Um, but I like the little mouse warrior idea, and uh, I I thought that game looked looked cool. I'm not going to make anyone else play it unless they lose a uh, fantasy oh god fantasy <laughs> game draft to me. No, but, we have um... to make a rule that I you cannot force me to play VR. You can't make me just like barf, dude. That's where we got to draw the line. Man, how many subs would we get from that? <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, my pick is kind of along the lines of what you said about how. Um, it's a game that's, like, new. My pick is kind of a cop-out, but the way I looked at it was, what is the best VR game at E3 2017? Just period. And for me, that's Fallout 4 VR, because it's already a really good game that is you can play entirely in VR, but not only that, they have Bethesda's done a ton of work on this game to make it function in that medium. Mm. Um, that's what I was most impressed about, that it wasn't just like, hey put it on and it's just like you're playing with a controller like they've actually worked sort of the the hand movements and things into the experience for it um i played a 10 minute demo of it at bethesda's booth uh which people have said that people had to wait five hours to play it was one of the hot things on the floor yeah. to play that and to play doom what is it vfr yeah um i did not even play doom i just played this uh, but they let me cut in line. I didn't have to wait in line to play it. And I played it for 10 minutes, and I did not get sick. Oh, but that good. is right around my cutoff. Mm. Like, usually right up to the 10-minute mark, that's when it starts to hit me. Because yeah, so, you know this game's like 100 hours, right? I know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if you really just say, what's the best VR game there, it's really kind of hard to argue against Fallout 4 VR. I mean, as far as a game that, that is that big... That is of that level of quality. Again, I think we both had our caveat or have our caveats with Fallout Four. We yeah, neither, that's really my only neither caveat with this is like I don't like Fallout Four, so I probably don't want to play it in VR. Yeah, and I think that's also a kind of an advantage is that a lot of people will know whether they like Fallout Four or not mm -hmm. um, before they would invest in it. And I did like Fallout Four. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm was... certainly more interested in Skyrim VR. Yeah, uh, but that was not there. Well. So. The reason I like Fallout more than Skyrim, you're right, it wasn't there, but I still would have chosen this game because Skyrim still feels old to me, mm. like or does feel old to me at this point. This game is a newer game; it looks better than Skyrim. Um, so I, uh, mm. I don't know. I saw the trailer for Skyrim VR. I thought this looks way better than that. A little bit, but it's like I don't know. I'm used to playing Skyrim with like modded to within an inch of its life, so yeah, that doesn't really. That's true. It's not really a fair comparison. Yeah. And, I mean, the other part of this, too, is that this world, to me, is far more interesting. And in VR, that's a big deal. What is the world like that you're experiencing in this mm -hmm. new medium? And, to me, this world is more interesting than uh, this, what I think a lot of times is sort of a barren uh, mm -hmm. environment that you get in Skyrim. So, yeah, I, think, I, I go the other way. I think this world is not interesting to me. Really? That's my, one of my big complaints about Fallout 4 is I didn't care about the, air, the world, which is not true of Fallout in general, but for some reason... The Not Boston all of area, it, but like the shanty towns and no, stuff I like that. No, I just didn't didn't wow. grab me, and I don't know why. Look, if they make New Vegas VR, like take my money now. Probably like, gonna happen. Like I'd be into it for yep. sure. Even though that game didn't really, you know, that game looks about as, you know, as bad or worse as Skyrim does. Yeah. Like vanilla Skyrim now, but um, yeah, for whatever reason, Fallout 4's location just did not pull me in. And Skyrim, always, I will always love. That we, you know, that kind of Nordic area kind of thing. So I, I like, like to, it. I'd like to see that. Um, but I get what you're saying. Like it's like, 
If you're talking about a game that you know is already good that can only be improved by the VR experience, and it's huge, it's a solid like choice. Like you're going to get yeah. your money's worth from that game. So, um, especially since they're probably going to charge you full price for it. Oh, you know they are <laughs> definitely without a doubt. I mean, but if you are wait, if you already own Fallout 4, don't you get the VR upgrade for free? No, no, I think I think we were just making that up. Uh, wishful <laughs> like, thinking. We were hoping that would be it, but I feel like that's not a that's not going to be a thing. Maybe on PC. That could be. But like, I feel like if you're playing console, I know Gears of War four, you get the Xbox One X upgrade for yeah, free. Yeah, I mean know. that makes sense. But I mean, it's like it's like I'm basing that on like Skyrim Remastered. Yeah. Was free if you had the PC version already, but right. if you had the PS4 version or the Xbox 360 version, you could go screw yourself yeah. and pay them sixty bucks again. So maybe it might be PC gaming might be winning again on this one, but we'll see. I don't think they said anything about that one or the other. All right, we're gonna move on to a dying genre, one that we talked about earlier. All these the games from this genre are yep. moving into the action RPG it's subgenre. Just not, it's just not good enough for people anymore. It used to be hands down the most popular mm-hmm. genre in the industry. It also used to take Game of the Year awards year All after year after year. Uh, that is action adventure, Matt. What is, in your opinion, of the slim pickings? Because it is slim. Yeah. What is your favorite best action or your favorite action adventure game of E3 2017? Um, I gotta go back to Spider-Man again. Yeah, yeah. Like, makes sense. You know, again, it doesn't seem to be any RPG elements in this one, so I think it's, it still qualifies. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's that's the thing I saw. In, I mean, we've talked about this game like twice already. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think of that of the increasingly limited genre. This is the one that made me the most excited. It is also the embodiment of the embodiment genre. of action adventure. <laughs> exactly. Like it's fitting that this is a, it's a superhero Spider-Man game as well because like these games were always sort of well, I actually always kind of made up the middle mediocre or worse yeah. realm of these games. <laughs> um, but it's like it's fitting that Spider-Man is the one that survives and, and makes it into today. Uh, I don't really have much else to say yeah. about it. Like it's like, it's like it, it looks great. I'm excited. It's Insomniac. Awesome, action, adventure. Sign me up. <laughs> My winner is Middle Earth: Shadow of War. Also a good one. Finally got a chance to play it at E3 instead of just watching. Ga- I mean, and this that game has kind of been oversaturated at E3. Mm-hmm. Um, which look, the game's coming out soon. I get why they're doing it. Uh, but there has just been new gameplay released all over the place. So not only did I get to play it, and I will agree, it is a challenging game. And I will agree there's a learning curve. Even if you played the last game, it takes a little while for you mm-hmm. to kind of understand the new systems and how they all work. I'm pretty impressed at how much more complexity they've added to this. Yeah. Especially because the first... I mean, the first one was a pretty simple game. Yeah. But they've taken that Nemesis system and run with it. and And it's not... You know, it was real easy to game that system in the in the last game. It was. And it's yeah. not gonna. I don't think that's gonna be true with this one. Nope. I just think it's. Uh, I feel like it's taking this genre one to its next logical evolution, and what could perhaps be its final evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's it's squeezing action adventures for all they're worth before it makes that jump over to where it's using RPG elements, and I appreciate that. I like that there's at least one big budget game. Where they're not like, well, let's get, just get crafting and leveling in that damn thing. Like, I, I appreciate that they started to look at what the essence of the action-adventure genre is, and they started thinking about how they could do more with that instead of just changing it into an, another, another genre entirely. Um, I love the tone of the game. Uh, the quality of the production of the game is sky-high. Uh, I do think that if they make another one of these, we're going to lose it to action RPG, though. It might. It's, it's, like it's I said, it's coming close. It's getting there. Um, but I love how I love I still love the Nemesis system. In all honesty, mm-hmm. I love how you kind of build build this collection of warriors. 
You can deploy them how you want to. I love how the sense of progression in the game, how you sort of take over territories. I love the flexibility and how you can mm -hmm. play it. I mean, it honestly seems like no two people will ever have the same experience mm -hmm. playing this game. And I'll be honest, in terms of like kind of the macro sort of like army versus army like territory thing. Yeah. This is what I think Dynasty Warriors should have become. Probably. Well, I think there are kind of spin-offs of Dynasty Warriors that mm, do that a little bit. I, I, I oh, there was on, it was on sale uh, like a couple months ago, and I bought Dynasty Warriors Eight Empires. Which yeah. Is supposed to be that. No. No. Not really. Okay. I mean, I mean, you, you have a map and you pick where to attack, and there's some you know intricacy there. But like in terms of kind of being part of that, this this feels like a much more immediate like kind of you know on the ground sort of thing. You have more control over what's happening. And look, I'll fully admit I really, too, I really like what they're after with this game. Yeah, and I'll fully admit, too, that, you know, it gets a bump from me because it's a Middle-earth game. Yeah. This is pretty much the only place we're getting this anymore. And uh, I've never grown tired of it and probably never will, and so I'm glad that I'm getting mm -hmm. to experience it again. Uh, and it's even better that it's in an inter interactive form. So I am all over Shadow of War. Uh, let's move on to Best Strategy Game. This one was real pickings. tight. Yeah. <laughs> really tight. And unfortunately, and even though it was on the show floor, I did not have the time to play Warhammer Total War 2. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just like I want to mention that because there's a chance that it probably should have been best strategy game of E3. Mm -hmm. That's not the type of game you play on the E3 yeah, that's show a floor, tough though. on the floor. Also, like, I mean, I played the first one. It didn't totally blow me away. Also, like... It was I, too much for me. Look, I'm... I love the Warhammer 40k setting. The Warhammer fantasy setting has never done it for me. Yeah. Um, that's just my bias on it. It was uh, just too much. I played... Yeah. I was going to initially review the first one, and I got about five hours into it, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I mean, it's, it's total war. As well. It was it's also bringing my uh, rig to its knees. Like, mm -hmm. I could not find a setting to get it to run well. It would run great for a little while, and then something would happen in-game, mm -hmm. and it would just... Come crashing down. And also, that we also had um, what, I, what I thought was one of the biggest oh, oh, moments of E3, which was Age of Empires 4K Definitive Edition. Yeah. Like, like, really? Who wanted that in 4K? I mean, like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, I was hoping, I was like, oh, they're going to do a new like, Age of Empires, or it's going to be like totally remastered. It's going to be like, no, it's just high resolution. Yeah. It's just good, have fun. It's like, oh, okay. Fine. Gotta have, well, I mean, that is a great game. It is, but it's just like... <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's like, that's something you tell me on Thursday. Right, not, yeah. not on E3. Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah. So what So what did you pick? My pick uh, turned out to be uh, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Wow. I'm um, surprised by this one. Which, like, you know, I guess you could kind of say, like, Mario Odyssey went down, but this kind of went up for yeah. a little bit. Because I just was... I, we knew it was tactical strategy RPG... But I thought it was going to be like Final Fantasy Tactics. So did I. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be like XCOM. The fact that it's XCOM, yeah. which is a gameplay style I really like. <laughs> I you do know, too. Like, I'm kind of in. Yeah. Like, I'm just worried that it's going to be just like a shallow imitation of XCOM, though. Like, I mean, it's for, kids are going to play look, this. So. Even, even a shallow imitation of XCOM is deeper <laughs> than most games that are on the shelves. Yeah, that's um, true. There's some stuff going on here that I like. To, that I like. Um, it, like, the, the Mario purists are kind of like... Mm, about some of it and I totally get that and maybe it isn't taking advantage of the two different licenses they're crossing over in a way that really makes the most sense yeah but that's also kind of one of the things I like about it it's that pretty is, absurd that is completely ridiculous I mean will you ever play a turn-based strategy game like this that is comedic 
No, not really. <laughs> it's they're only rare. deathly serious. Like, there were funny parts in, like, Freedom Force, but it yeah. wasn't the focus of things. Right, right. And, like, it just, you know, I like this kind of gameplay, and uh, it's right, it's going to come out right in the right time when, like, not a whole lot of other stuff is out. And uh, I can see this being one of those games that you just grind right on through. Yeah. You just but it also, like, and also, like, a lot, you know, the, the bounce mechanics and kind of the jumping stuff yeah, and, the, and the cover some discussion. Of the Mario like, it feels a little more. You know, it feels a little more move movement related than like yeah. the X. You know, XCOM kind of sometimes kind of de- de- devolves into everybody behind their cover and oh, doing. Oh, it things. always does. And yeah. this just looks like it just goes for broke back and forth all over the place. Like you know, nothing stops moving. There's a lot of like cool. It looks like there's a lot of cool combos you can do with like keeping your getting your guys extra attacks or keeping keeping the things happening and moving. And uh, like I mean, you know, I'm just saying it's. I'm not saying it's going to be my game of the year or anything, but like. I liked what I saw, and I think no, I'm in. I'll, I'll admit I'm in. that I'm more excited for it now that I've seen it than I was when I just heard about it. No doubt about it. It went up a little bit for me. Uh, it wasn't going to be one of my one-ups for, uh, for E3 2017, but uh, I definitely I had no interest in it before E3, and now I do have some interest in it. So mm-hmm. I think that's a win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my winner for best strategy game of E3 2017 is a game we have been waiting Forever for... Much longer than its title. Oh, yeah. Fortnite from Epic Games finally had its coming out party at E3 2017. I'm really surprised you didn't pick this game. Are you not into tower defense at all? I like it okay, but it's just like... This game feels like a little bit of a known quantity to me. And uh, it's also one of those things where it's like it, it's a it's a very co-op driven experience. It is, yeah. And that just, again, means that I'm going to have trouble finding people to play it with. That's possible, but I... I think this was easily the best strategy game at E3. It is certainly it's I think it's also one of the most unique games at E3. It's tower defense, co-op, third person shooting, melee. It mashes up all these elements and I love I do love tower defense. I have a total weakness mm-hmm. for tower defense. Every time I take a flight, I end up playing a tower defense game the whole time. I don't know if there's any better time waster than playing a tower defense game. And then there's also the building element of it with building your base I, uh, I'm so happy this game is finally coming out. I, I had almost written it off after a while. I just didn't think we were ever going to see it. Um, and then to see Epic blow it out. Like, you know it's coming out when people are wearing the t-shirts. And people are wearing Fortnite shirts all over mm-hmm. E3. Have we know, we've known about this for, like, four and a half years. years. Yeah. I feel like I was, I feel like X-Play was still on when, we, when they first announced this. Yeah. I am all about this game. Look, it's been in beta for like three years. You know all the kinks and all the bugs and everything are are ironed out. You know by now all the issues that people have with gameplay have all been fixed and they've found kind of a happy medium for most players. There's just no other game like it. Um, And in in an industry where all the RTS games say that they're doing something new and then you play them and they're identical... um, turn-based strategy games, all the ones from Japan, the strategy RPGs are all kind of the same. This just completely stands out for me. And again, as someone who loves tower defense, it's just a no-brainer best strategy game of 2017. Which I think will happen at the end of the year as well. So we'll see. Um, Maybe you can change my mind. I I hope so, because I want to play it with you. So, best fighting game of E3 2017. Matt, this is a category that I put a lot of faith in your opinion on mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure a lot of our viewers do as well you're very well versed in fighting games you're very good at fighting games Matt what is your pick for best fighting game of E3 2017 well before E3 2017 I would have 
put Mar- Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite on this, like, just, <laughs> just done. to start. Yeah, right. Just like, I'll just, I'll just do that now. Yeah. Uh, that did not turn out to no. be true. Um, <laughs> nope. The other thing that turned out to be kind of the surprise in this space was the Dragon Ball game, Dragon Ball Fighters, um, which are you know, made by the Blaze Blue guys, and uh, it, it's, it's... which looks really good, but I hate Dragon Ball, oh. <laughs> which is a problem. That's a problem. So uh, my pick for this is I went the other direction in the anime space, and I'm going with Gundam Versus. I am uh, pleasantly surprised to hear you name this game as your game best fighting game of the show. Because uh, this game, this series is a big thing in Japan yeah. in the arcades, uh, starting the arcades, and like it's finally coming here, like it, on PlayStation Four. I've um, spent a lot of money in Japan playing this game in the arcades, mm-hmm. getting completely annihilated, I might yeah. add. But yeah. between between this and Virtua Fighter, those are the two games when I go to Japanese mm-hmm. arcades I generally play. Yeah, but these th- these games are solid. I mean, if you like the Gundam stuff, you like Mech Combat, if you like Virtual Own of well, the old yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. And also, these machines in Japan are networked across yeah. arcades. So yeah. even if you don't have someone there to play head-to-head against... You can against, play someone else in another, in another arcade. arcade. Yeah. Um, so there, this game is finally coming to America uh, on the PlayStation 4, and this thing, they are blowing the doors off this thing. There are over almost a hundred mobile suits in this game. And yeah. They all play differently. Yeah. They've all got their strengths. It's like the biggest um, roster of any fighting game this year. Yeah, it's insane. And if you have a favorite Gundam mech, it's in here. Yep. And it's a gigantic roster. They showed, they put out a roster trailer mm-hmm. where they literally just showed one character after another, mm-hmm. and it was seven minutes long. Yeah. That <laughs> tells you how and, many there are. And so this is a it's like an arena fighting thing. Um, it's two v two or three v three. Each team has a certain number of points they can use to to build their team, and each mech costs a certain amount of points. So, like a five hundred point mech is going to be bigger, stronger, sometimes slower. Set But if you lose that mech, your team's basically screwed. If you haven't, you know, so so you have to be good enough to warrant taking up that spot on the team. Uh, and so, like each team, kind of has to function in a in a, in, in a way that complements each other's mobile suits. And uh, there's some some new wrinkles in this that are pretty exciting. Like you know, boosting is always a big deal in these games because yeah. because that's how you move quickly right. and dodge things. So one of the new things in this game is I can't remember what they, there's a specific weird kind of not really English name they use for it, but you can interrupt at any time. You can cancel your boosts and boost down to the ground, oh, and you'll wow. see you'll see it in this footage. Uh, sometimes where like they'll they'll boost to the side and then suddenly they'll just boost straight down and when you do that you instantly refill your boost meter. Oh wow! Which means if you're good at it, you always have boost there to do what you need to do and that's what really is separating the good players from the mediocre players in this game. Um, so there's got that you've got that kind of skill element that's that's really going to make the difference in terms of being mobile enough to be good at this. And every mech, I mean, you, you, you're going to have to play this thing for a while to find which mechs really do it for you and which ones yeah. you're good at. But there's one in here. I promise. Somewhere in here <laughs> Out of the is a robot you're good at. It's going to happen. Um, and this is just, you know, I'm a big, yeah, obviously we've gone over it, but I'm a big mech fan. Yeah. I like Gundam. I, I'm a big fan of Gundam. And, I don't, uh, I've never met anyone who said, I don't like Gundam. I don't like Gundam, yeah. <laughs> Ever. This, part of Gundam will appeal to someone, which, you know, may, either you're, maybe you're a G Gundam fan, maybe you're a Universal right. Century fan. I'm a yeah. Universal Century fan. Um, it, it goes, it runs the spectrum at this Gundam. point. Gundam. Gundam. 
Um, so I'm excited just to see all these guys, all these characters look so good, and these and you and and like the player freedom and, and learn to fight against 90 different mechs. I mean, that's going to not be an crazy. especially pretty game. I would no, add. it's it's not <laughs> the uh, environment. It's not going to win so the graphics yeah. awards. Yeah. But the point is really kind of doing these these three on three matches and and how crazy they can get with how di- many different abilities these guys are throwing at each other. And one of the things that always drives me nuts about multiplayer games is once I kind of learn the basics of everything, I stop being like interested in learning how to counter things and I just start getting annoyed. Yeah. But this game I feel like you're just you're going to run into like weird stuff for weeks. <laughs> and so I'm I'm looking forward to that. So uh this game kind of in, you know, in the absence of uh Marvel and Mar- Marvel letting me down and uh the other kind of really <laughs> another crazy transition. And the and the uh the huge kind of you know, the furor over Dragon Ball, because Dragon Ball... I mean, Dragon Ball looks pretty awesome yeah. like, from a visual standpoint. I just can't stand Dragon Ball, so I, I, I had to go with Gundam. Gundam's, Gundam's gonna be, was my number two backup after Marvel, and then Marvel, Marvel fell out. Marvel, Marvel, Marvel washed out. Marvel pulled a, uh, a cougar at the beginning of Top Gun, <laughs> and uh, Gundam had to lead it in. <laughs> and, uh, and now Gundam's going to Top Gun. All right. <laughs> well... I'm not the world's biggest Dragon Ball fan either, but my pick for best fighting game of E3 2017 is Dragon Ball Fighters. Mm-hmm. There's a Z at the Fighters? end there. Fighter Z. I don't yeah. know. I uh, I was blown away by this game. I it, first of all, it's a legit 2D fighting game. It's not one another one of these arena fighting games that they've been giving us for Dragon Ball for the last I don't even know how long now. Long time, almost ten years. They've been—I mean, they've also—they've been doing the Xenoverse stuff for a while now, right? But those um, are all arena battle games. Yeah. Those are all like—they're not just a straight-up skill-based, two mm-hmm. D sort of side view fighting game. Um, and people have been waiting for this type of a Dragon Ball fighting game for a long time. Yeah, I talked to people. You know, and look, man, this looks more like Marvel versus Capcom. It to does. Me than Marvel, Marvel versus, versus Capcom. Capcom. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's built. You know, the pedigree of the developers here. You know, they created Blaze Blue. That's a great fighting series. The game is freaking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the best looking Dragon Ball game ever. Maybe I don't yeah. know. Some people are a little partial to uh, to the 3D graphics, but these actually are polygonal characters. They're just viewed from the side. Yeah. Um, it, oddly enough, you know, the one thing everyone asks each other at E3, what's your game of the show? And you get so sick of people asking you that, and you don't want to ask people that. But when you first meet people that you don't know, it's a very easy way to kind of break uh, the the oddness of, of meeting someone for the first time. And three different people told me this was their game of the show. Hmm. Like, their whole game of the show. In fact, Hip Hop Gamer was one of them. Yep. Next to God of War. He said this and then God of War. Um... I was not, a, I've, as I've said already in this episode, I was not a fan of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. You're not either. Um, I think it's hard for me to get over the visuals of mm-hmm. Gundam Versus. In all honesty, that's pretty much all there was at the show. There were not a lot of fighting games at E3 2017. And so, I don't want to say this one by default. It looks like a great game and it plays great. Mm-hmm. Um, the I'm ki- actually curious if this game ends up being good enough that I get over my Dragon Ball version right. and play it anyway. The kiosks at E3 were flooded constantly. I think you, like, you never saw one of these kiosks yeah. empty. You mentioned uh, earlier about you know, will Marvel vs. Capcom be at fighting game events right. and stuff. And obviously it will because Capcom, Capcom is going to sponsor it and, and make sure monetarily it's there. I can see this oh, game... Yeah. 
organically becoming a massive force oh, yeah. in the fighting game community. I mean, because this is, people are just going to enjoy it so much. This is a Dragon Ball fan's wet dream, pretty oh, much. Oh yeah, man. like I'm. I mean, as a Dragon Ball hater, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very happy for all the Dragon Ball fans that are going to get this game that seems to just be exactly what. It should be. Yeah. Frankly, I mean. I mean, they should have been making this series all along, if you ask me. But yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with and the results. They've sold the other games great. But what a perfect time for this to happen after Marvel. Marvel drops the ball. Yep. And drag Goku's right there to pick it up again. Yeah. The Dragon Ball. The Dragon Ball. <laughs> you w- you wished for it, and it's here. Yeah. I was really impressed with this game. Um, unfortunately, they did show that one match in the bureau they put out. But watching people play it and myself playing it myself on the floor. You see a lot more of the variety in the characters, and uh, and again, it was one of the most popular show or games at the show for mm-hmm. people playing. Like there was just constantly a stream of people waiting to jump on. Uh, it made a big impact there with uh, the fans. That it made a big impact with me. So, all right, let's see what we got. Have to get the best driving game, and we both agree on this one. It is Forza yeah, Motorsport Forza Motorsport Seven. 7. Um, do we have to even talk about it again? No, I mean, obviously, amazing. Turn 10 has owned model. this space for a long time. It really has. And mm-hmm. whether you're talking arcade racing or whether you're talking sim, like you're talking with Motors- Forza Motorsport, I mean, Project Cars 2 does look really good. Yeah. That was, I did have to consider that a little bit. And I will say this much, too. If the crew was actually playable there, mm-hmm. it, it had a strong case to make because of all the disciplines all that the it has in the do, one yeah. game and how you can seamlessly flip from one to another. The open world. And in fact, I think if the crew two were playable there, I probably would have given it to the crew two. Um, because what we get, what you get with the problem with Forza Motorsport is you know exactly what you're getting. Mm-hmm. There's really no surprise to it. It's like even when they do their stage demos at E3, it's like, hey, look at this new Porsche on stage. Don't really worry <laughs> about our game. Here's this awesome car that you haven't seen yet. It's like even they get it that like there's really not a lot of new stuff not to, much talk to talk about. about yeah. yeah. And, uh, and which makes it hard to talk about in a show like this too. But it, it was the best racing, playable racing game at uh, E3 2017. Uh, the demo that I saw for Xbox One X just solidified its status as the best driving game there. Um, and my honorable mention was the Crew 2, but it was yeah. not playable. So it cannot win any awards from us. So let's move on to best adventure game. Um, always a nebulous mm-hmm. genre. It becomes increasingly more difficult to classify what is an adventure game and what is not with all the first right. person. And even uh, then, it can be hard to kind of find something that stands out. Well, it's like, so if I actually ever fire a gun, is it still an adventure game? Or if there's like lots of puzzles, is it a puzzle game? Like, so mm-hmm. it, it's, it's kind of become this almost generic genre of games that don't fit anywhere else. Yep. And I think your your pick for this, which is a game I mentioned earlier about being really, really innovative and creative, is kind of the embodiment of that. Mm-hmm. So I picked uh, a game called Hidden Agenda. Yep. Some people may not even have seen which, this. Yeah, this was really under underrepresented, I think, this And under the radar. It's by the guys who made Until Dawn. Who are making, like, four games. Yeah, right they now. are busy people yeah. right now. But... So they're making this. It's called. It's it's by the Until Dawn guys, and they said what that what happened here was they um, noticed that a lot of people were playing Until Dawn on stream, and they were kind of everybody in, it was, it was watching the stream was kind of they were all kind coaching. of giving, coaching and making yeah. decisions like as a group. And so what they've done here is they've taken this is kind of like a serial killer police procedural mystery game, and people who it's a multiplayer game. Everybody logs in with their phone, sort of like the the Jack Pack, like the you know you don't know Jack thing. Yeah. And each player has like, like you have different agendas 
as a player. So it's not just you're all sitting there voting on what to do. Right. Like, sometimes you'll get a thing that says, make this character do this. Right. And so you have to kind of fulfill what you're trying to do by not... And no one else knows what each other's trying to do. And everyone's kind of trying to steer the story in a certain direction to fulfill their agenda on their phone. But everyone else is trying to do the same thing. So That's you're, the name. So it's like a weird co-op slash competitive... But also, we're watching a movie together. Yeah, kind of experience, and it was like, wow, that's like nothing. I don't have I've anything to compare that it. to. And here's the other thing too: is this whole PlayLink thing, which is Sony's directive of working using smartphone to incorporate into gameplay. Um, it's like this little offshoot of Sony's development. So this mm-hmm. isn't the only game that uses PlayLink. Uh, there was two others that were debuted at E3 that may have completely gone off the radar. This whole program kind of went off the radar for most people. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. And this is by far the most interesting of all the games for it. Um, it's probably the most unique game at E3 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really nothing else like it. There hasn't been, and there wasn't anything else announced that could be coming down the pipe either. So, uh, I think that's a great pick. And it was one of those things after I'd already selected mine, I was like, I think Matt's pick might be better. <laughs> <laughs> because I tend to uh, stray towards creative, uh, innovative ideas mm. instead of just picking the status quo. Um, but what I went with for this category was a game that I actually played and watched be played and kind of started to understand its scope and also realized that it had a huge presence at the show. The stuff that they had shown they had shown in the press conference was different from what I saw them play, which was different from what I played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that game is Detroit Become Human. I think I gave it Best Adventure Game last year, too. In fact, I think mm-hmm. this might be the only game that won the same Two award two years in a row. row. Hmm. Yeah. Um, this game's coming together, man. It yeah. is. It really is. It's all. It's almost all there. I think the the most exciting thing about it for me is it really looks like they're getting away from the kind of the constant QTE stuff. Yep. And they're making it much more. Of, I mean, frankly, they're making it much more of an adventure game. They are. Yeah. I'm. I'm way more excited for this game than I was for any of his prior games. Um, more than Heavy Rain. More than Beyond Two Souls. Uh, more I, than Fahrenheit. Yeah, for uh, sure. I feel like this is him hitting his stride and finally figuring mm-hmm. out what it's what he's been trying to make all this time. Yeah, and embracing, they're leaning into the stuff that makes, you know, the Quantic Dream games unique as opposed right. to... they're not like, getting rid of that. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not, like, bringing it closer to being an action-adventure game. Right, no, they're, not at all. They're pushing it the other direction, which I think is the right move. Yeah, because it, then you just become another whatever. Right. If you become an action-adventure game, you become a part of Dead Tree Media and video games, yeah. which is the action-adventure genre. And I mean, on top of that, then I have to compare you to Spider-Man, and you're right. not going to come out of that very well. <laughs> we know that. Yeah, I was... Uh, and look, I'm not the world's biggest fan of his prior games. I've said it before, and mm. I'll probably say it again, but... I am, you got to appreciate the effort. I am, well, I'm coming around on it because mm-hmm. of what he's doing with this game. So it showed great, too. The demo that they showed at the show was excellent. Uh, it makes you think, this game does, and it seems like we don't get enough of those anymore. So mm-hmm. that is my pick. Next up, best trailer. This is another category. We both chose the same winner, and I think everyone in the world yeah, at think, this point I think would choose this same This might winner. be the most agreed-upon thing in gaming. In fact, I wish I could have had the foresight to say, hey, chat, guess what best trailer is, then do best adventure, and then look at their responses, because I think they would have all guessed. Yeah. It's Beyond, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Best video game trailer I've seen in a long time. Yeah. A long time. Um, and then hearing about what the game actually is as more information trickled out than over the next couple days... 
it just makes the trailer even more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's an open world, open, open universe. universe. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you can't even say world. Open universe action adventure. Like I guess uh, Michelle Ansel called it GTA in space. Mm -hmm. um, it is M-rated. It's going to be edgy, just like this trailer. I know a lot of people were like, whoa, all the F-bombs and whatnot. That is what the game is going to have. Um, this is just really a proof of concept piece. It's obviously not what the game looks like. I don't even think with Xbox One X, your any game is going to look this good. No. Um, it's just not. Um, but it's a proof of concept and what the game is going to be like. I am all over it. I saw a lot of negative comments on Sifted about this. Really? People who thought it completely betrayed the tone of the first game and doesn't make sense and within like kind of what they had established before. But I would contend that that wasn't working. <laughs> like, yeah. It just wasn't. I mean, it sold 100,000 copies across all platforms in its first month. Whatever it was about that first game, whether it was the tone or it was Jade or the photography or whatever, it wasn't working. Mm. And so if you're going to put big budget AAA dollars into developing a sequel or a prequel or whatever it would be, you have to make changes to it. Yeah. Well, and also, like, I, I like Jade and Paige and that whole thing, and I would certainly like to see some resolution on yeah, the end of that sure, game yeah. at some point. But the thing that was most always most interesting to me about Beyond Good and Evil was the world, yeah. or, the, or the universe. Universe, I guess. yeah, for it was, sure. It was certainly implied to be bigger. Yeah. Uh, and if this shows me more of that, and it is, and also seems to be kind of interested in explaining why there was a talking pig walking around in the first game, <laughs> and no one thought that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> it was like I was waiting for someone to explain like why there were talking animals in this world. And it just never freaking happened. Yeah. And like if that if this delves into that and what you know that they were used for like kind of space exploration and that kind of thing, like if it delves into how that works, I'm kind of super into it. Like, how it, can you not love the characters in this? Like, every single character they introduce is completely yeah. fascinating. My girlfriend doesn't like monkeys, so I think she's out. <laughs> but, but he's uh, great. Like, this CG is incredible, by the way. Like, yeah. they should make a movie out of this. I would go pay and watch it. No questions asked. Oh, I would certainly prefer to see this than another Minions film. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but maybe I'm the exception. Yeah, that could be. In the mainstream <laughs> audience. I feel at this point, I don't even, I'm not going to try to make calls for, yeah, for that. That's a really a good idea. But I'm, in, I'm inter super interested in it. I just, you know, I, it was disappointing to me that it's um, so far out. Yeah. They said, I think Ansel said day zero of development, basically. They, the demo they were showing behind closed doors shows, like, you can zoom from, like, a solar system down to, like, that, like, you know that that uh, skyscraper right. they showed, yeah. Uh, but I guess that demo didn't even have like graphics until two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, this game is way out. This and it's only been fifteen years. So. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> and like you know, and of course we've also talked about yeah you know, the Vivendi thing, the Vivendi takeover potential. Like, were they showing these games to kind of show like this is what we're doing in case we're not here next year? Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that they're showing this E3 like helps prove to some of the investors that like, hey, we should let these guys keep going with what they're doing because yep. clearly they've got a strong strong lineup, strong ideas they the and, yeah. and they had the best press press conference I would For say sure. still. Yeah. And you know, walking around E3, I was surprised to hear that everyone agreed with us that Ubisoft had the best yeah. press conference. I thought we might be outliers there, but we were not. Um, okay. Only two categories left in our best of E3 2017 awards. Um, you might want to start getting maybe some questions into the chat right now. Because uh, I have a feeling we're not going to talk too long on this next topic. And then mm -hmm. all that's left is game of the show. So, uh, next to last topic, penultimate topic, biggest surprise from E3 2017. Yep. Uh, my biggest surprise was uh, Metroid Samus Returns. 
in part because it was not announced during the spotlight. It was, you had to wait. I, it, it accidentally popped up 30 minutes later when I was getting ready to go to the show floor. I'm like, wait, what? Little did you know you had a clue, though. Hmm? You had a clue, though, that this game might be on the way. Yeah. Uh, Which was when Nintendo, when shut, Nintendo down, shut down the, re- the fan, the fan made remake of Metroid. 2. Like I'd seen the rumors that there were two Metroid games right. be announced, but I would never have guessed that one of them was a remake of, of Metroid Two. 2 yeah. Which, um, for those of you who don't know, was a Game Boy game that was monochromatic. Yeah, original Game Boy game, and just you know, it was pre Super Metroid, so it didn't have the advancements that Super Metroid brought to the table. Right. That made it made a much more playable game. And so, to me, Metroid 2 was the hardest Metroid game to go back to. Yeah. And, um... And, man, this is, by the way, this is a remake. Remake. This is not a remaster. This game is completely being redone. It's by uh, Mercury Steam. Yeah. Which uh, makes me a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because didn't um, they do the Castlevania handheld game? They did Mirror Fate. That was really bad. was not great. It was actually really bad. Again, you kind of got to trust in Nintendo's... Refusal to let like mediocre stuff come. It just may never come out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and Nintendo will just can it. Well, I mean, it's you know, I got it pre-ordered already, so it better come out. <laughs> At the very least, the squishy Metroid amiibo better yeah, come out because yeah. I really want that. Yeah, yeah, that's a um, really cool. Me- that's a really cool. Amiibo. But this is the me- you know, I was disappointed that Metroid Prime Four was basically a shut the hell up and go back in your room like, yeah. announcement. Whereas this is like this is coming out in September. It's exactly what I want out of a handheld Metroid game. I'm a little confused why they didn't like up it and put it on the Switch. Yeah. Um, but like, hey, I'll take it. Yeah, I actually kind of stepped on you what you're saying there a little bit too before you got to finish, and I apologize for that. Yeah. But but one good point that you made was that this was not announced in the press thing. Like that ends, and then they show. Wait, did they announce this right afterwards? No, they they showed some went Mario, into, uh, Mario, didn't they? Mario Odyssey for yeah. like twenty or thirty minutes. Yeah. And then after that, Reggie shows up. Like, oh, by the way. And, like, it's so weird how they announced this. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't understand it at all. Uh, but... <laughs> but again, I'll take it. Good things come to those <laughs> yeah. who wait. Exactly. Uh, my biggest surprise, we already talked about it, is Beyond Good and Evil 2. Uh, the reason it was a big surprise to me was because Michelle Ansel said that the, it wasn't going to be shown. Yeah. It wasn't coming. I mean, he lied. <laughs> and it's like... Should I have been fooled, or should you just trust when somebody says something, they're telling the truth? Um, so regardless of why, I really thought there was no way this game was going to be shown at E3. Uh, and then I even remember when it first came up during the press conference, oh, by the way, our live reactions to press conferences are still coming. And they're worth watching, by the way. Um, even a few days after the conferences are over. But I remember we were watching Ubisoft's press conference live, and you saw the pig, and you said right away, Beyond Good and Evil. Because yeah. I think you thought it was Paige, I'm guessing. It was either Paige or a relative. Because, right. Because, like, that's, ju- that's what his hands looked like. Right. So, and I was still, I think I still said no. Yeah. It can't be. He said it's not going to be there. And then it was. So, to me, that was the biggest surprise that I got at E3, was, was that. So, it's time to move on to our best of show. The biggest award we can bestow upon any game from E3 2017. Again, get your questions into the chat right now. Because when we finish with this topic, we're going to throw to your questions immediately. So if you want to bitch us out for our picks hmm. or tell us how awesome we are for the games we chose, have at it. Um, so best of show, Matt. I'll give you a drum roll. What is your best of show 
for E3 2017? Eh, it's Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> Did anybody not guess that at this point? It's, uh, you know, I wanted to be, you know, last year I got to be super esoteric and hipster and pick a VR game that yeah. nobody cared about, but yeah. now I gotta go, <laughs> I gotta go with Spider-Man on this one. It was definitely yeah. my favorite thing. Yeah. I Aside think... from Anthem. If I could give Anthem that, I would, but yeah. it's not playable. It wasn't playable. So. Yeah, there was no demo of it there at all. Um... I think the one caveat I have with Spider-Man, not just the QuickTime events, which do turn me off a little bit. They've it, never bothered me, but I'm a Shenmue fan. Yeah. So. Um, is that it, it does feel like an older style game. Not just yeah. because of the QuickTime events, just because... I'm wondering if that's part of why I like it. It may be. It like, could be. But, you know, when I started considering, like, what's going to be my game of the show, that was... This game was certainly in the running. It was certainly in my top five, easily. Mm -hmm. um, and that was sort of what made me disqualify it, is that it did feel kind of like a game from, like, the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 era, but in Gen 8. Mm -hmm. um, so that was sort of what I disqualified it for. But I can completely understand you in particular, this being your game of the show... Um, as soon as you saw this demo, I think you knew it was. Yeah, it was I'm pretty up there. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. As so. long as it was playable, on, you know, yeah. As long as it was. Being and they played, demoed and this they very thing it, yeah. in a theater and in Sony's booth. So. It's the same thing. It was, you know, which I guess is kind of disappointing because sometimes you see the, the in theater stuff and you get a little more. Like yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn, a couple years like last year, I think was uh, again you get an extra like 15 minutes. On top right. of the press conference yeah, demo yeah. or whatever, but like, and they did. They extended the demo a little bit yeah. in Sony's booth as well, so they showed a little more. But like, yeah, I mean, just uh, I'm a sucker for superheroes done well, and yeah. this is that. And also, it's Insomniac, and it's great to see Insomniac doing something cool and different again. And on top of that, this is apparently a modified version of the Fuse engine. I know. What? Isn't that insane. What? I. I don't awesome. even know if I believe it. I don't know, but <laughs> awesome, but yeah. great. I, well done to them, and I'm super happy about it to the point that I don't even care that spiders, a spider on his chest is white. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of other people do. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm an army of one on that one, but no, I, they, uh, they've got me convinced now. All right, well, I'm sorry I didn't actually give you the sound machine drum roll. I totally forgot oh, about oh, it. Oh, it's fine. I also have a feeling that... That the, drum roll takes too damn long. I also have a feeling that the battery is so low in this, if I had done it <laughs> twice, there wouldn't have been oh, one. I, I can't wait to hear what this sounds yeah, like. Yeah, let's see. So, my game of the show for E3 2017 is... <laughs> it made it! Super Mario Odyssey. Woo. I'm falling in line with pretty much everybody else at this point, I think. I think it's going to be, hands down, the most chosen game for game of the show. Yeah, and, you're right. And uh, I totally get why. Um, it... I think the biggest part of it is it that It has we, a T-Rex. Yeah, that's... That's why. <laughs> surely that's why. I think the biggest part of it is that so much of it was shown at the show, and every little bit that was shown was just top-shelf quality. Um, graphics aside, you know, there are moments, obviously, where the game still looks amazing. I saw a lot of moments where it didn't look amazing. But the gameplay and the objectives and things like that were always completely polished. Um, everybody knows that platforming in Mario games, 3D Mario games, is sublime. It's there. Um, I don't think Nintendo will ever change the algorithm that it uses to uh, handle Mario's uh, locomotion in 3D. But what really sort of brought it home for me was, not only was the platforming great, but all the different characters that you capture with Cappy, they all control great. And they all do entirely different things. The gameplay variety in this game is just 
through the roof. And to be perfectly honest with you, that is what I have loved about 3D platformers from the beginning, is that you aren't just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I thought especially with Super Mario 3D World, it kind of fell into this trap where it just kind of felt samey the whole way through. Still an amazing game, don't get me wrong. Like, one of my favorite games from that year. But, I mean, when you talk 3D, 3D platformer Mario games, you're splitting hairs because they're all amazing. And uh, I feel, again, I feel a little bit of that magic that I felt from Super Mario 64 uh, from the first time I played it, a game that I'll always remember as being sort of that... That, that breaking moment in my life where I was like, hey, this is probably what I want to do. I see where games are going. And, uh, I'm start, and I'm seeing a good bit of that sort of adventure element, discovery element from Super Mario 64 creeping into this game. Still hate New Donk City, probably always will. <laughs> I'll probably never get over it. I don't like that there are humans in this game at all. It doesn't make any more sense when you actually play it. But I got to play so much of this game at E3 and all of it was just top shelf, man. And like all the objectives were just crazy and diversified. And um, the Cappy stuff, just being able to take control of almost anything that you see in the game, it just it makes you look at a Mario game completely differently. It makes you look at Mario's world completely differently. Um, and like I said, the controls are just freaking sublime. Like you can just pick up the controller and you immediately feel like you're just on it already. Um, but that's not all you do in it. And I think that's what kind of set it apart for me. Um, it's crazy how Nintendo has, I mean, it, it released what could be the game. I mean, it has what could be the top two contenders for game of the year in the same year. Think about that. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. They, um, they need it. I mean, look, I think this game is going, just like Zelda, is going to be absolutely enormous. I think it's going to, I don't think it'll be as long as Zelda, but I think when you look at the length of Breath of the Wild in comparison to previous 3D Zelda games, I think you're going to look at the length of this Mario game in the same way as when compared to the length of previous I definitely get, Mario get the games. feeling that this is like a 60-hour game. Like a huge yeah. freaking game. If Nintendo will show us that much. I mean, we saw like three hours of this game. And it also kind of has like some of the Zelda modes where you just screw around in the world and have fun. Um, and I, again, I think that's something that's kind of been missing from 3D Mario games for a while. Like, just the fun of exploring and just cruising around and hopping around. Like, I feel like it's been lost a little bit. The, that is the one thing I think I would say Mario Galaxy came short on. Yeah. Because the, the places you went were very specifically designed to be... Exactly. ...a little challenge you got through, but there was never really a chance to run around and see stuff. Yeah, and explore and find stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's some areas of this game where you don't really platform at all. Like, you're just kind of running around hunting for stuff, like climbing trees, and, and some of the action, it's almost borderline action-adventure, I guess is, some, is one way to put it. Mm -hmm. um, really impressed with it. Totally sold me. I was not over the moon over this game before I played it at E3 2017. I am all over it now, Sifters. Um, it is the real deal. Uh, Nintendo is on quite a tear. <laughs> I guess that's the best way that I could put it. So... There you have it, our best of show picks for E3 2017, Matt is Spider-Man, and I am Super Mario Odyssey. So two great games. I don't think you can go wrong with either one, um, but we play in one but, before the yeah, other. Yeah, one of them we will play much sooner. That's true, so. yeah. All right, let's see if you guys have any questions. See if you hate us for our picks for uh, best of E3. Uh, there's a ton of questions. Maybe I asked too early. Um, let's see... It was one I saw 
Here's one like. from Vox91. Do you think Microsoft is way too risk-averse, given its reliance on previously established brands like Crackdown and uh, disregarding building new IP? Yes. Yes, for yes, sure. Yes, yes, Absolutely. yes. Without a doubt. Um, I think um, we've talked about it before. It's just, it's killing me, Larry. Like, I don't get it, man. And it's like, you know, I go in to see the Xbox One X to see the demo, and what do I see? I see Gears of War, Arm. and I see Forza yeah. Motorsport and Minecraft. It's like, at least get, like, Crackdown running on the thing for me yeah. to see. It's just... That was the weird thing, how many games were not taking advantage of the Xbox One X's extra. Yeah. The Xbonks, the as bonks. I uh, prefer to call it now. <laughs> they weren't taking, you know, like Assassin's Creed and is going to run the same 4K 30 frames a second on both Xbox One X and Pro. It's like, so what are you using? That? You know, what are you, they asked them, like, what are you using? This? And they said, nothing. We're not using the extra power on the Xbox One X for anything. So what are you doing? Like, what, what are we here for? Kind of thing, you know? Um, but if they had some stuff that like was unexpected, some things that we didn't know about, I mean, I, again, we keep going back to Scalebound, but it's like, man, that at least gave you something, A, in the fantasy genre, and B, that we haven't already played five times. I know. I don't, I'll never understand why that game was canceled. Really And weird. Crackdown is allowed to languish in development. <laughs> Crackdown is allowed to live. I mean, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> it makes no sense to me. And look, I mean, the last demo we saw of Scalebound was not good. No, no. In fact, it was borderline embarrassing. And maybe he just couldn't take, the, or Microsoft just couldn't take the ridicule from that. I don't know. Well, they're going to take it again from Crackdown. They are, yeah. They're going to take it tough from Crackdown. Just get used to it. Yeah. Uh, OTT apps? or OTAPs, I think is what I call them, yeah. Uh, out of all the games that were shown, which do you think is the longest away from being released? Beyond Good and Evil 2. Well, actually, um, maybe not. I mean, that's Kingdom a, Hearts three. Well, Kingdom Hearts three. Um, I'm gonna say Metroid Prime four. Yeah, that could be too. Because think, Nintendo's not gonna release that until it's perfect. Because look, I believe Beyond Good and Evil two is gonna happen when they actually. I mean, when Nintendo says a game's coming out, I believe it's coming out one day, probably, unless you're Pikmin four. Um, the hell's that game, Ben? Well, they said they're still working on it. Yeah, but they also said it was done. They did. Yeah. So I think they're reworking it for. A but I think I think Metroid Prime Four is. Uh, I mean, we'll probably see it next year. We'll probably see it again in 2019. I think it'll come out before Beyond Good and Evil Two. I see the thing because about no Beyond way Good it's going to be like an open world game like. Right, Beyond but the, Good the thing about Beyond Good and Evil Two is I kind of I don't know if I believe that game is ever going to actually happen, period. Right. You it's think like, it was just like them saying, hey, say we'll, we'll throw a million dollars to a trailer house to create this CG pacifier? Yeah, exactly. And with no intention or just to get people talking and excited about Ubisoft because, look, what they need right now is people saying what they're doing currently is what they should be doing yeah. so that Vivendi doesn't come in and gut them. Um, so I felt that was as much a, a business strategy move as it was, uh, hey, we're making this cool thing. Um, especially because they only just started making this cool thing. So, um, yes, maybe Beyond Good and Evil 2 might take longer uh, in terms of it will never come out. But I feel like of the games that I believe are not going to be vaporware, I'm positive Met will not be vaporware. Metroid Prime 4 is a long way from coming out. It'll probably be like the last great hurrah on Switch is what I'm guessing. Yeah. And, a part and it'll be that carrot that Nintendo dangles out there all this time to get people to yeah. buy Switch. And, or, or if it's even that, you know... Because if, if you think about it, once it might Mario, be on this Switch and the next system. Yeah, like, you know, it might be it that. Could, far it out. could be that bumper game that Nintendo likes to do anymore. Because if you think about it, Zelda's out, Mario's out. What does Nintendo have left? Mario Kart's out. 
-hmm. Smash Brothers. I mean, if you think about Nintendo games that really move hardware, it's starting to run out of those options. And now it's announced a Kirby game and a Yoshi game. And, like, it's kind of shot its load here right out of the gate. It needs that carrot to dangle like, out there. Right. If you you need second half of twenty eighteen is going to need something to shake things up, and yeah. like I don't see anything unless they make that sequel to Zelda real fast or with the Pokemon. same assets. That you know the Pokemon RPG, but again, like j- just a quick, you know, we we didn't really see anything. But I I think you're right. Like Smash, even if it's not like a totally originals, if it's just the Wii U Smash Brothers updated ported with new characters added like i think that'll get you there yeah but like it's not gonna be exciting this year is gonna be one of the best nintendo years ever Ever. (laughs) so inevitably next year is going to be kind of a lull so i guess we'll see where they go from there but it's uh, but it's not going to include metroid prime 4 i'll tell you that much yeah w matthew given e3 was mishandled so badly do we need e3 given packs egx gamescom tgs etc should e3 just go away and let the events that handle it better take over. No, because E3 isn't those events and isn't supposed to be those events. Yeah, I think that's the problem. It's getting caught in between. Yeah, it's trying to become something like that, but it never... It's not. It's it's not never was supposed to be. It was never supposed to be that. And if you want it to be that, you need to overhaul a whole lot of things about it yeah. other than the ticket sales. Yeah. You know? And they didn't do that. So there's two directions they can go. They can either make it more of a public-facing convention... Uh, and I mean convention, not expo, because right. the, the third E means expo. There's a difference between expo yeah. and convention, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't care how into dental equipment you are, you would not be particularly interested to attend a dental expo. Right. It's not a thing. <laughs> um, so if they can like make that pivot, like it could become something functional in that regard. But it's never going to be, you know, it's never going to be a PAX in the sense that, you know, PAX is clearly there for the attendees that are there as fans, and that's what it's there to celebrate and be. Uh, E3 at best could become like a TGS in the West, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't think it should go away. There's no. Re- I mean, look, maybe you fold it down and don't make it a big spectacle. You only take one hall. Everything gets le- much less bombastic and crazy, and it focuses really hard on being the industry meeting place that it's you know originally be- was supposed to be. And the spectacle just kind of goes away yeah. a little bit. I could see that being it. But look, E3 in some form will always be there. What we think of as E3 as outsider or, or enthusiasts is different than what E3 really is at its cold-beating black yeah, as, heart. As, as people who have been there for decades and yeah. understand what it started at and what it's turned into, I don't think it'll ever go away, ever. Um it's gonna be. It's gonna go through some growing pains. While well, trying to figure mm. out how to navigate that middle ground between fan event and industry event, um, and it could be that it gives up and it just says, "Hey, this isn't what we're about. This isn't our brand." Because it really isn't. No. The brand is an industry brand, industry-related brand, um, and maybe after a while it figures out, "Hey, this fan thing isn't for us. We're not doing mm. it very well." And I mean, attendance could go down next year as well. Yeah, I will say this, and I've heard a couple people mention something like this. Uh, that like kind of a halfway solution if you don't want to just like you know turn it into like you know let all the convention goers come in, add another tier of badge that is just the influencer badge. If you if it's you know because if you're really just try, kind of trying to Trojan horse YouTubers into this, like just just make that an op- like something you can let people in for. Yeah. Like instead of media, you now don't make that media. Make it influencer. Make right. that that you know segment of the of the me- you know media or or streaming or 
or social media. That that, fun, that functional branch now that wasn't there before. Yeah. Create a new badge for that and let those people in. Yeah. Like make. I mean, that gets you what you need. I think. Or maybe just give them a whole day to themselves, where they can go in and set up all their streaming gear. Because yeah. I think what you're seeing too is that as more of those people and the press has more gear to carry around, it becomes more of a problem because mm -hmm. there's just stuff everywhere. There's tripods set up everywhere and people set up in walkways and shoot. It's like, that's the hard part, I think, about bringing mm -hmm. the public in is I that think, they're not used to working next to people who are trying to cover the games. Right, and I think, I think one of the big fights they're going to have on their hands coming up is uh, I think they're inevitably going to want to make it four days. And I don't think the industry wants it to be four days. Yeah. Like I, well, no, no. Everyone's sick of it. They're like, man, yeah. this is too long already. So. Well, also, that's a ton of extra money spent on the per part of all the publishers for just how you got to put everybody up another day in the hotels. You yeah. got to rent the space longer. You got to do, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a big expense Every for day everyone involved. It's a lot of money. And you're kind of hitting the point where like, oh, we do one industry day and then two public days. But everyone's like, one day is not enough to get E3 done. Yep. Uh, it, cramming all games media's appointments into one Tuesday, when, especially when the show floor didn't even open until noon. Yeah. How do you do that? They have, they have a lot of logistical conversations to have that they probably should have had They should have had already. already. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting seeing that develop over the next year. Yep. Uh, Wolf Fox, 10JC, Anthem, Holiday 2018, March 2019, or Holiday 2019? My bet right now would be Q1 2019. Yeah. They're saying end of 2018. Yeah. But I feel that's going to slip to 2019, but I guess, I think you're going to get saved by the the hard deck of the fiscal year. I don't think I think they're planning it for the for that fiscal year and you're not going to see it slip past. That. I don't think they're going to do it pull another Mass Effect Andromeda. True. I don't think they'll let that happen. Um I honestly think it's like Q3, Q4 2019. I think I think it's going to be Q1 2019. Yeah. I, I hope you're right. I think they're going to... The, their target right now is, is end of 2018. I don't think they're going to make that. No. I think it's going to slip, but I think they're not going to be able to push it, be able to push it past the fiscal year. Hopefully that does not torpedo it the way Andromeda kind of ended up. But I think they, they've learned from Andromeda, and Andromeda was very much about kind of a middle management, like production problem thing and yeah. like i feel like edmonton is not going to run into those same problems because they've done it before it's true uh let's see uh this is one for you c crawl did they ever say why his spider-man costume is different i don't think they said why but they said there is a reason why um I mean, I'm not a big fan of the whole, oh, people are complaining about a thing, so the developer says we have a reason for it to be that way, because the last time that happened, it was quiet in Metal Gear Solid Five, and that was stupid. But um, I'm not sure what reason you could give to make the spider white, but I don't really care that the spider's white. So yeah, I don't care about any of it. <laughs> I really don't. Spider-Man has had a whole lot of different costumes, so one that has a white spider on it is fine for me. I don't care. And it's a totally different Spider-Man from any other. It's his own continuity. It's his own Peter Parker. It's his own everything. So, fine. Focus on the fact that Miles Morales is in it. That's more interesting to me. Yeah. What are they going to do with that? Because apparently he's not just that cameo at the end of that thing. He's, he's part of it. He's part of the story. So, how are they going to fold him into the, into the, into the storyline? That's way more interesting than whether the spider's white. Uh, from that Japanese dude, does Switch have the best first year of console life in the history of consoles? 
No. No. No? No. You think it's the best first year for a console ever? No. I mean, I figure he's mostly just talking about uh, Zelda and Mario in the same year. Uh, that's a pretty good lineup. If you're just talking about what you get to play in the first year. Two games? I don't know. I'm tr- Let me start thinking back to, like, to th- Xbox 360 and how many games that were great from third parties came out in the first year of its life. Hmm. Because, see, that's the problem. With, when you try to compare Nintendo consoles to any other console, not only do you get the great first-party stuff from the other consoles, you also get the great third-party stuff, and mm-hmm. you get none of that with Nintendo. So you're basically saying... True. Two amazing games. Don't get me wrong. I mean, at least Mario seems to be shaping up to be an amazing game. Um, against... And even if you look at, like, the Xbox 360, it had two or three good to great first-party games, and then 15 or 20... Mm-hmm. third-party games that were good to great. I mean, that becomes like an algorithm of <laughs> or two amazing games better than 20 great games. Like, mm-hmm. to me, they're not. You know, it's like, that's 12 months. So you figure you take a month to play those two amazing games. What do you do the other 10 months? Uh, well, so far, I just put the Switch in its case and played other things on other systems. Right, so. but that's what I'm saying. So if you're comparing, like, Switch's first year to first years of other consoles, that's that's yeah. a tough comparison for Switch. I mean, look, I'm, the, the, the first year of the Switch has two very high peaks in it, but beyond that, there's not a whole, a whole lot of interest for me. So uh, I guess a case could be made, but, like... Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look at a bunch of different first-year lineups yeah. of things. I feel like in the end, I probably like the Dreamcast more than anything else in its first year. Yeah, unfortunately, that was the only good year it really had. Yeah, I mean, it started real <laughs> strong. In it terms did. of you, the first yeah. year in the West, it started real damn strong. Yeah. Uh, from Fruit Eater, Xenoblade Impressions, still doubting the release. It's Xenoblade. I do still doubt the release. I do, um, yeah. Also, Even though they announced again that it's coming this year. Yeah, also you may have noticed that it did not show up in our best RPG category, even for me. And that's because, holy crap, I hate the character designs well, so I watched, much. I watched, like, I think on our Master stream, we ended up watching, like, 40 minutes of that mm-hmm. game. And it just it just didn't do anything for me, man. Like, well, after also, watching it, a game like Nino Kuni or whatever, it's right. like... But it also, as someone who played the first one and, and Xenoblade X a lot... It doesn't feel like it's really advancing much. It's just in the any same game, way. it seems like, yeah. Except Which is how they're going to get it done so quickly. Right, except it has a much less interesting narrative, as far as I can see. So it's just not. It, it, it's, I'm getting a little. That, that was almost one of my downs. Yeah. But I'm really. Yeah, I don't. I, I know they keep saying holiday this year, holiday this year, but it's just like, you won't give me an actual day. I'll see you in February. Yeah, I don't really believe it still. Uh, from Sleepy Droid, did Microsoft drop the ball showing what Xbox One X can really do? Case could be made. Um, I, I mean, think it was what they showed at the press conference was pretty impressive. Yeah, I think between Forza and, uh, and Metro, you get a pretty good idea. Yeah, I think the main. If you can watch those two games and not be impressed and wonder, oh right. wow. I think the main weakness is that like. There's just not that much that's doing that. Yeah. Um, the, that's the thing about I just, I just I can't even predict what this thing's going to sell. It should. I'll tell you what it should have done. It should have done the presentation I got in the, in the Xbox booth mm-hmm. on stage because everyone who was in that room was impressed by that demonstration. Everybody. 
Nobody walked out. Obviously, you can't simulate the Atmos, the Dolby Atmos. Right. Um, but everything else, you could have easily done. So, it all, I mean, again, it does make a difference seeing these things with your own eyes. And it was, look, it so. was tech verbiage heavy. But I think you're selling your audience short to think that they couldn't understand what they mm -hmm. were talking about in that presentation. Well, I also, like, think they could have. You know, didn't they kind of admit that this thing's an enthusiast product? Yeah. Is that what they're yeah. saying? So why don't you, you present it as, as an enthusiast product? Good point. Really good point. Uh, let's see. I got a couple more. Um, Nimrod 80. Uh, I think it's talking about anthem will it be comparable will the campaign be comparable to destiny or a full bioware rpg campaign that's a um, good question it is a good question like like i mean i think if you're looking at how if they're building off kind of what they did in swotor the old republic like that they did a pretty good job of an old style bioware can like story in an mmo like it, it wasn't really incorporating the, the later lessons and the dynami dynamism of, like, uh, Mass Effect. But they did a pretty good job of, of kind of simulating what KOTOR 3, like, mechanically might have been if they'd made it by, like, 2006 in yeah. that game. Uh, which is maybe not the greatest thing to say about a game that came out five years later. But I do think, especially looking at the bizarre scene at the very beginning, like I feel like this game is going to deliver the Bioware narrative while it's delivering kind of that more open, like, Destiny-style gameplay. Yeah, I mean, I think we already saw a more living, breathing world in that opening scene than you ever got in Destiny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it actually and, looks like it's lived in instead yeah. of this weird, like, palatial, like, space right. station, like... And Destiny 2 is really pushing in, that, is, in the more organic direction. Is. You can see right. you can see what they showed is much more. Well, just think about the first form. teaser they ever put out. Yeah, like that was completely out of character for the first for Destiny One promotion. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think Destiny again. People, I, the the people keep drawing very direct comparisons between Destiny Two and Anthem, and it's just like Anthem is so far out. You're not even going to have Destiny Two in the mind when that thing is finally ready to be released. It's gonna the Anthem is going to have to take the lessons of Destiny 2 into account during development, I think. Yeah. Like they're going to have to pay attention to how Destiny 2 functions, how it's received, and how it works, and how it doesn't work. So, um, But I would be very surprised if Anthem doesn't deliver on the Bioware story front. Um, I, I don't expect it to drop the ball the way Destiny 1 did. We'll see. Uh, here's the last one, The Legacy. Should Microsoft have marketed the Xbox One X as a next-gen console in name instead of a mid-gen console? Yes. Probably. <laughs> I think so. I absolutely like, think so. Like, I understand why they didn't. But why? I, why? Because they want it to be very clear that your old stuff will work on this thing. They want it to feel like part of the family. Yeah. And that you and that you can carry over all your Xbox One things to it. Then they should just name it Xbox and just be done with yeah. it. <laughs> Seriously. Like, if you're going to keep adding, the, like, letters and on the other the thing end, is like, next Z, like... Well, it's also the other thing is, like, are there really enough Xbox One owners to make that decision for them yeah, on that? Like, yeah. it's like It's like, wouldn't it be better to kind of try to attract the, the, the larger audience by making this thing feel like a jump? 
Yeah, I think it's harder to sell something for $500 when there isn't a clear indication that it's a major leap. Yeah. Because they're going to look at the Xbox, okay, I got an Xbox One, and then you came out with the Xbox One S, and that didn't really seem to improve the graphics all that much, mm -hmm. but I did get, like, HDR, and I could play 4K Blu-rays. And now we've got the Xbox One X, so I'm assuming it's just another small incremental improvement in some way that I may or may not understand. Like... It totally should have been called something else. Like, people will understand it's backwards compatible. Mm, They'll figure I, it out. Well, no also, one spends $500 on something without doing research right. to understand what it does and doesn't do. Well, you know, it's also like, I think you've... You, the, like, I think the public at this point is probably more surprised if something doesn't have backwards compatibility. In, you know, because the phone, you know, the phone thing is like, you're going to buy an iPhone 7S... Or you want to buy the iPhone 8. Right. You know? Yeah. But when you buy that iPhone 8, you're pretty sure that everything you had on the iPhone 7 is going to work on right. it. Right. So I think just you can just piggyback on that expectation with it and use whatever new name you wanted to, wanted to call Xbox it. Xbox 2, I guess, is what it would be. I don't Xbox, even know. Xbox. So then they go Xbox, Xbox again. 2 as <laughs> Xbox 2X. I mean, yeah. I feel like they've dug themselves a hole that they're going to have a problem getting out of. I mean, but. I do feel like you're right, and like whenever they decide to make that leap, the next one's just going to be called the Xbox. Yeah. Just call, it's just a platform at yeah. that point. It's, it's just the, your next Xbox. And, and like what you said about iPhones, about how people have come to just assume that when they get the new one, it's going to work with all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Eventually, that's going to happen They'll with consoles, there. too. Yeah. They just haven't done it enough times because they don't put one out every yeah. year. Although well, also because to, we're, coming, but... we're coming off of a generation where that was impossible yeah. with, with the PS3. Yep. So it's just not, you know, not yep. a thing you can assume yet. But I think, you well, know, not with Sony, but... I think going forward, you will, though. Yeah, so for sure. I, I, don't think, I don't think that assumption is long... Is going to be a hard thing to drive into people, especially if it becomes policy for everybody. And there's no reason it couldn't become policy for... Uh, Nintendo too, because the Switch is a fairly, you know, simple architecture that can be carried forward to a more powerful next system. That's for sure. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Sifted's Best of E3 2017 Awards. Uh, it's been fun. It was a great show. I hope you guys got a lot of use out of Sifted over uh, E3. There's still a ton of more content uh, coming for curation. I think we've already curated 800 pieces of content to our E3 hub. Uh, like we said during the show, um, if you guys maybe missed the show and now you're overwhelmed or you've been away for a couple days, man, using that E3 hub is freaking genius. You just click the channel nav and it drops down and you can sift that 800 pieces of content by 60 different categories. I don't think people get it. Like, I just, it's amazing. Like, to have that much content be sifted by that much of a micro, those micro channels, like, it's really handy. If you like J Japanese RPGs or just Japanese games in general, there's nowhere you can go to say, hey, what happened at E3 2017 with Japanese games? There's dozens of categories that Sifted mm -hmm. does, but I don't think people even use it. Like, I looked at the, the traffic. I wouldn't get all my picks for this done in time yeah. if it wasn't for that. I looked at the, uh, the numbers for our E3 hub, and people are just using the homepage. It's like, hmm. no, you're... Ah, uh, it's so frustrating for me. It's like, yeah, it does this awesome stuff, and no, either nobody gets it or nobody uses it. I don't, I don't get it. So, anyway. You should, you should have, like, a video pop-up that comes up if someone, like, uses the homepage too many yeah. times. And you're just like, hey, Yo, bro. what are you doing? Right here. It has a hand, it goes, psh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do want to thank everybody who was on for our, all our live streams over E3. We had a great time. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, still lots of archives coming from that stuff. All our, our live reactions to the things that happened in the press conferences are coming. Uh, thank you to everybody who donated over E3. 
I know some of you guys have said like buy a pizza with like this money or whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I wish I had. I didn't eat hardly anything all week, which probably is good for me anyway. Uh, but thank you guys for the donations. Uh, those of you guys who hit your elite status, we'll be recognizing you guys next week in our next regular episode of Game Face. Uh, what else do I have? I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Just thanks for coming along for the ride. It was great. Uh, Matt and I are going to try to get a little bit of rest this weekend. Um, although I think I am appearing for the first time ever on an episode of our community podcast, Podcast Reload. So Ooh. you may hear from me in the next couple of days on that show as well, probably doing some more mm-hmm. E3 wrap-up. So I picked up a new game on uh, one of the E3 sales, so I'm going to start playing Ghost Recon Wildlands. Oh, wow. There you go. Because I figured I should probably play the best-selling game of the year. Yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> like, at least for that frame of reference. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys have enjoyed our E3 coverage. Like I said, there's more coming. Uh, but uh, it's been another cra- great and crazy ride, let me tell you. I really thought there were moments this week that I was like, I'm too old for this. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and somehow I pulled through. And I think a lot of it has to do with you guys. We all did. And all your encouragement. So Certainly one of the themes of going to the parties after the show, like every single human being I knew was like, oh, my God, I'm so old. Like well, every- because we've all gotten old together. Yeah. We're yeah. all, like, in the same age bracket. And it's like Patrick's party. It's like... Everyone here is like over thirty-five. Like it's yeah. it's, it's all it's our it's our generation of the industry of, of the yeah. industry, and like we're the old people now. We're we are the, like like we're like we're the I, party that the kids don't want to go to. Yeah, because like <laughs> and we're the ones that like when the kid you know when we used to start going to E three and we'd see all those like oh look at this all the magazine guys look at those guys yeah yeah they're so gray yeah you can look at like <laughs> Peter now. Moore you'd be like wherever Peter yeah. Moore's going I ain't going right. <laughs> And now he's, like, standing next to us, so... Peter, Peter Moore's going somewhere they give you slippers when you go in. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's funny. So, anyway, everybody, hopefully you guys have all recouped. It was great to meet some of the sifters live on the E3 show floor as well. It was really great to connect with some of you guys. So, everyone have a great weekend. Catch up on all that E3 content on Sifted and use that E3 hub page. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. Game face is up and out. Game face is up and out.